You know which movie of yours I love, Mr. Lugosi? The Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff? Sidekick? F*** you! Karloff does not deserve to smell my sh**. That lamey c***er can rot in hell for all I care. What happened? How dare that bring up Karloff? You think it takes talent to play Frankenstein? It's all on makeup and then gunting. Bella, I agree 100%. Now, Dracula, that's a role that requires talent. Of course. Dracula requires presence. It, it's all in the eyes and the voice and the head. That's right. That's right. You seem a little agitated. You want to go outside and get some air? I'm ready now. Roll the camera. We're rolling. Ah, B. C-97, take one. Watch. Action. Beware. 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 Take care. Beware. Pull the string! Five scenes to shoot tonight. All right. Uh, Why, hello there. It's two minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. Just puts a big smile on everybody's face. Uh, in uh, this, the month of August of the year of our Lord, 2007, thank you for coming along making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, my chums, my companions, my amigos, my compadres, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Five. The best part about that, by the way, there's two great things about not only uh, Martin Landau's performance as Bela Lugosi in that film, but about that scene in particular. First is just his relentless profanity. I mean, really, I was editing that down this morning and had, even haven't seen that film, uh, I don't know, I've seen Ed Wood probably 30 times. But just you just lose track. And profanity from old people can be a really tedious cliche in films, like when it's this sort of like the rapping grandma type. But I got to tell you, that guy really sells it. He delivers every one of those with with absolute perfection. The second thing is just that sort of verbally arched eyebrow when the stagehand comes up and goes, "I, I loved you as Karloff's sidekick," and he just does that, Karloff. Sidekick, and you could just sense, you could just sense like the coming apoplectic rage. There's a crest over the horizon. Fantastic. Oh, let's shoot this effort. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. It is Wednesday. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for, uh, thank you for coming along. You can uh, call us. Uh, about uh, whatever your uh, observations about today's uh, indulgence of merriment may be. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. I'm sorry, people are just sending me Ed Wood quotes now. My email is... Dolores, I've got 16 scenes to shoot today. Don't get goofy. 
It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to weigh in with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your corrections, your two cents, your what have you. Scotty J is standing by ready, willing, and able with baited if somewhat alcoholic breath to pass along your comments about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the somewhere uh, quixotically in between. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like and engage with us electronically. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. You can uh, email uh, the uh, rest of the cast and crew of the Rick Emerson Show. It's tim at 970.am, sarah at 970.am, or Scotty J at 970.am. Speaking of Scotty J, hold here. You can't really hear this. I I guess it doesn't really rattle. I have here in my hands a large, uh, some sort of, it's a brown paper package tied up with string. And it is addressed to Scotty J, KCMD AM Radio. And I don't really know. Is this about the... Uh, Scotty? How did he bring it in for you? I don't know, Scotty. Is this about the uh, Is this about the special guest we're having later on today? Yes, it is. We have a special guest coming up at the bottom of the hour. Scotty's just leaping out of his epidermis with excitement about it. So we'll, uh, I'm going to be talking like Ed Wood all day. Don't get goofy. You know, when uh, he does that Ed Wood voice, you know what that is? Here's how Johnny Depp... I have to get this little bit of trivia out. It's just going to be sitting in my mouth all day. Here's how Johnny Depp got the Ed Wood voice. It is half Ronald Reagan and half Casey Kasem. So next time you watch Ed Wood and you see uh, you see Johnny Depp doing that character, he comes up with that voice, it is half the great communicator and half Casey Kasem, which is fantastic, by the way. All right, Scotty. Well, we'll have you come in here in just a few and talk about today's uh, today's very special happening. And when I and when I say special, I mean it is exciting for you, Scotty. This is one of those things that we're doing for you because you put all this work into it for no readily apparent reason. And so we do wish to pay it off. So Scotty interviewing this person? That's a great idea. Yeah. I like the way you think. That's a great idea. I'm absolutely in favor of that. Scotty, type the screen. Don't be foolish. No, Scotty, it is you who's being foolish if you would pass over this opportunity to advance and to hone your well, broadcasting he was so excited, skills. He was so excited it would be wrong of you to actually interview that person. Well, really, and, and, and seriously, when we were talking yesterday, Scotty, you were all, uh, you were all ablaze with a desire to, uh, to sharpen your skills on the whetstone of experience, Scotty. So, really, who am I to deny you the opportunity to come in here and do this interview later on in the hour? All right. Well, we'll <laughs> yes, we'll talk about it here in just a just a short while. It's 503-733-2970. It's Wednesday. Also coming up today, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard will join us today on the one o'clock hour. We'll talk to Jim Roop. Apparently, they're kicking out these cocaine charges against Lindsay Lohan, which doesn't seem fair. I mean, I look. I understand that we've all been sort of sated by the idea that Paris Hilton went to jail for a while. I mean, it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter that she got out and looked all uh, primped and proper and prissy and you know uh, and, and puffed up again. It really was the satisfaction of just seeing Paris Hilton broken down into her component parts in the courtroom. But really, to deny us any sort of a satisfying follow-up with really, let's be honest, the much more richly deserving Lindsay Lohan just seems wrong. So I don't even know what they're going to hit her with. If they don't hit her with the cocaine charge, I guess maybe it's just reckless driving or something. But they're talking about just like four days. So, anyway. So we'll talk to Jim Roop about uh, about uh, uh, Lindsay Lohan. Uh, Scott, speaking of Scotty J, Scotty yesterday was on the program and he was talking about this exciting new feature that he wanted to develop. And it was called the... Um, what was the name of it? The AM970 presents the Scotty J's music note of the day by AM970. It was some really long, like, everlasting gobstopper of a title. Yeah, that was yesterday. 
Yeah. But he didn't really, he had the title, but not, didn't really know what to do. A title that he'd been working on for five years. A title, so I've been working on this title since I was in college, Rick. Uh, so apparently he has put together an actual demo, though. I swear to God. Which, I mean, you know, I'm sure it's going to be genius. So we'll play that later on today. Uh, we will have the demo version. Scotty's put together what they call a, a spec, a pilot, one might say, uh, for his exciting new feature. So well, speaking of Ed Wood, so we'll, uh, so we'll play that later on. Uh, we have a penis watch coming up today. Uh, if you thought that Americans were getting stupider by the day, if you thought that everybody around you was a blithering idiot, you are not wrong. Uh, and we have a partial explanation for that coming up later on today. Uh, I have this top five that we may or may not get to. It's now actually covered in a sort of hair-like mold. It's so old. So I, I'm not even really sure whether that's that's a thing we're going to address or not. Uh, big pile of news to get to. Your telephone calls about the you know various and sundry uh, objects of entertainment. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan Why? Hello, and how are you? Hello, I'm good. You look great today. Oh, thank you. A great effort. You got one of those like brass knuckle earrings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had to take cool. them out because they were poking my. No, no, no. Ears. Those are cool. I dig those. Thanks. Right, yeah, we're um, yeah, are fully but surely doing the soapbox derby stuff. Are you stuff. filled with dread? I'm getting a little nervous. Well, because yesterday I had to miss my first meeting, and I feel I hate not being able to participate. And so they all, because I did work my second job, so I wasn't done right. with that until like after eight. And by the time I was done, they finished working on it. So now, are you going to be riding the soapbox car down the hill? I am. How many? Are you all in the car, or somebody responsible for pushing it? Or you can only ride three people at a time, and there are four of us. So. So, so what we'll, does the fourth person do? We're going to alternate. We have to alternate who's riding in the car and who. Do it you is. do more than one run down the hill? Yeah, you do like three or four. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind I of excited. Know. Who built this car? We did. I did. Really? Amanda, Kurt, Dave, yep. Okay. Well, okay. we all sawed and nailed and... Actually, not so much nailing as we did use um, with, a with, drill and, like, screwdriver. With what are the wheels held on? Brackets. Okay. Well, we, we're using the same frame that we had last year. All right. So, so, so we bare bones stripped down to the frame, fixed the braking system, and then we built from the frame up. So there is some precedent set for the frame not being lethal in any way. Yeah. Because I... I mean, I've only gone to the Soapbox Derby twice, and we should tell people this is happening this Saturday at the top of Mount Tabor, which... Uh, and they have a drinking permit for the entire park, which means you can wander around beer in hand and look at all of our ridiculous cars. Look, I'm just saying, every year that I've gone to there, which I think is actually only twice, but both years that I've gone, there's been some horrific accident. And you did not go last year. No, I you didn't. You did not support me. No, I didn't. Are you going to support me this year? Were we, were we doing... Was I otherwise occupied? Did you we have, have a no job? Excuse. Was I unemployed? No, I, we you had a job last year. We, we worked here. Oh, that's true. Okay, I don't know what my excuse was. I guess I was just uh, home sleeping. Um, but both years that I went, there was just some horrific, terrible accident, which is equal parts sort of scary and further inducement to go. I think the first year that I went, it was that year that I was with, it was with William Stephen Humphrey from the Mercury and Daria uh, O'Neill. And we have been the three judges, and what if I shouldn't laugh? But I can laugh because it all turned out okay. So the Soapbox Derby, which achieves, we talked about this, but what is the top speed of those things when they get going down Mount Tabor? Because Mount Tabor is like one big steep, I mean, it's it's one big corkscrew all the way down. Yeah, there's that round, there's that bend, too, that like Lyle flew off the cliff on. I mean, I'm guessing it's a good, what, 40, 50 miles an hour? It has to be. Probably around 30. 
Said thirty thirty five. All right. All I remember is that the first time was there, one of them plowed right into a child. <laughs> and then Which, the, I can laugh because the child was unharmed. He, they have rubbery bones. Also, you know? that was a bad year because Lyle flew yeah. off the cliff, and then this other guy flew was off the cliff. <laughs> throw, throw Lyle from the train. Thirty. Yeah, he flew off this yeah. like thirty foot cliff. They'd get the ambulance up there, and then there was this guy who was riding on the back of a car. Um, he was like sitting on the edge, and they hit an unexpected bump, and he flew off, got wedged underneath the grill of the car <laughs> behind them. Still doesn't have skin. Like, his skin didn't grow back on his forearm. Fantastic. Like, all modeled and stuff. I saw it, too. It just happened to be the one spot where I was standing. All of a sudden, you see somebody fall off. All of a sudden, wedged under the a car. Uh, dragged down the hill. Oh, man. This is like one of those after-school specials just waiting to have. It's like a traffic safety film, but for soapbox derby cars. And they're going to interview you, and you're not going to have a nose left. You're just going to have little breathing holes in the front of your face. Well, it seemed like it was going to be a good idea. And then, we, and then everything went black and red, and you know. I am a little nervous about grinding yourself down like a pencil eraser. Well, because it's very disproportioned. Where are you sitting in the car? Are you sitting in the, in the driver's seat? Yeah. Well, I'm. I don't know if I'm going to be driving. I don't think I'm going to drive. So you won't have anything to hold on to. No. If it goes out of control, it's just going to be you and gravity and a lot of little shards of concrete. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay. Thanks. Uh, here's Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification. I'm just trying to visualize that. See, was spanking out Alpha and Pete the Pup racing down the hill. <laughs> nah, yeah, see, well, the first year I went, that's what I thought it was, too. They were like, hey, this is a soapbox derby. And I pictured exactly all of those old 50s cars where it was a literal soapbox. Uh, you know, sort of a, a short, squat, rectangular thing with wheels that goes like five miles an hour on a more or less flat surface. These are uh, built by adults who then become blind drunk. And they go more or less straight down Mount Tabor, achieving speeds, I would guess. Now, I don't really know. Maybe somebody out there knows. Well, it depends if you're a speed or an art car. Well, or which, are you, car, which are you, Sarah? We're an art car, but I think my, um, my male teammates are secretly trying to make it a speed car, uh, which is going to make Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's all an art car until you press that, press down the brakes and they go all the way to the floor and nothing People happens. People like the Flintstones down the hill. They were supposed to be working on the brakes yesterday. One of my teammates, God bless him. <laughs> yeah, but every time it comes time for a meeting, he's so hungover that he can't really function properly. See, the, and he's the one you know working what it is? on the brakes. I was just, just going to say, he's the guy responsible for rigging up the brakes line and there's gonna you know that there's gonna be this wacky okay moment. rick stop. let me ask you this question no just seriously just one more question at this soapbox derby at which i'm sure you will not die do they just let you go at the top or do they push you you it's, have to have a pusher you have a pusher and then okay we'll see that's even we worse. don't have a pusher yet though so if anyone wants to push us please feel free all right so all i'm saying is you know there's going to be this comedic moment when you get ready to go around one of those first hairpin turns at like 39 miles an hour and there's going to be that the break. I thought you were supposed exactly. to be exactly. That's exactly what and I'm you talking about. You crash. But if you, but if I, but if wah, wah, and then you know, and then nobody has any skin left. This is what I heard that year that I was judging. Though it was really there was like a little squawk box in front of us, a little like uh, you know, like a walkie-talkie wireless thing, and there was a whole lot of. Okay, they're coming on a hairpin turn. Okay, and here come the first round of cars down the bottom. Oh, no, they've hit a child. A child has gone into the bushes. They have hit a child at full speed. Somebody call somebody. So, have fun with that. I'm excited. The best part isn't so much, well, the racing's a lot See what of you miss by staying at home, Tim? I, I know. Well, my sister's going to be there, too, so at least she'll get to witness me plowing things. So they can interview her tearfully on K2. I mean, we were, we were going to go to the IHOP later. One crashes into the porta potty and there's a giant <laughs> reaction explosion. I remember when I was working on Coin a couple of years ago, 
and there was a coin person there, and I was like desperately trying to avoid. I had like a sparks in one hand and a cigarette in the other, and like trying to avoid them seeing me. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Michael Bay, soapbox derby. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Well, the president compares Iraq to Vietnam. Laura Bush denies that a Jenner's wedding will be one of the shotgun variety. Assertions that the troublemaking twin is pregnant are ridiculous. Uh, Doris Penis gets second to vacuum cleaner. Brad Pitt uh, brings hope to New Orleans. A new CBS show sticks kids in the desert to fend for themselves without adults. Advertising comes to YouTube videos. And the superintendent of the Salem Cuckoo's Nest steps down. Excellent. Fantastic. By the way, this guy says, Rick, if you remember correctly, you were at Rockstar Supernova during last year's Soapbox Derby. Oh, you so, were. There you go. See, I would have been a team player. Now, I went the previous two years, and I will go this year. So uh, you got to show your support for me. I show my support. Are you going to come, Tim? How far is it from my house? <laughs> no, kind of far. Of course he won't be. And people will be drunk and want to touch you. I don't know. <laughs> Are you Tim Rada? Can I touch your hair? <laughs> All right. Fantastic. I, I don't get that in the suburbs. People a little more reserved. Oh, if by I was the Lars Larson, I might be a hero there. <laughs> by the way, uh, let's see. It, 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 Tim actually handed this to me. This is a, an internal email we got at CBS today. <laughs> Gravest importance from from deep inside the bowels of CBS I Radio Portland. Brilliant. This is from. Well, I won't use her name. Subject like this or is Phoebe. This is Phoebe. You know why is Phoebe spelled like phobe? What is that about? There's not a there's, there's no e anywhere in there except for the M. Where it doesn't do any good. Anyway, um, this is from someone who will not be named. Subject line: Bacon sale. As some of you know, I live on a farm, she says. And Which it's, I didn't know. It's that, but now we do. Thank God. And it's that time once a year when I have, uh, that time of year once again when I have animals. a, when, when I've killed many of God's creatures. <laughs> uh, and I have a freezer full of homegrown sausage, bacon, and, quote, side ribs to sell. And as Sarah pointed out, using the phrase homegrown is kind of interesting. Because, I mean, otherwise, I mean, really, as opposed to building it in your basement, I have been building this bacon all summer long. Um, let's see. Wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And then she listened. And the sad thing is, though, I'm really tempted to buy a lot of it. Mm, applewood bacon. So, anyway. So she and just, she's a nice girl. Yeah, but, you know. But this phrase homegrown sausage. Homegrown sausage. We should quit talking right now. Uh, have we already talked about the news? Yes, we have. We have. All right. Well, we'll bring Scotty in just a second. Let me get these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, sir. Hello, Rick. Hi. Hey. hey. Out here in Atlanta. Just, uh, um, I apologize. I'm about two days behind on the podcast. Yes, sir. Well, so that's I'm okay. I'm calling up about old news. That's all right. You know, we're frequently four or five days behind on the podcast, so don't you worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, actually, I've been a little peeved about that a couple of times. Yeah. But, no, I just heard the section where you went over the um, the person that uh, took, like, $400,000 million out of the uh, the damn, you know, which one-armed bandit over in Kansas City at Caesar. Uh, the, uh, the defective slot machine that, uh, that, yeah. Kept, that, yeah, that was, like, given 10, 10 to 1, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'm also going to have to apologize ahead of time if I start yelling at someone to go away because I'm out on the job site. But, um, yeah, the thing that I didn't understand is when you're over there in Vegas, you're looking at the slot machine, the slot machine says right on its face that if there's a malfunction and you have, you know, $100 billion of credit saved up right here, thank you, sir, then, yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay, like I said, job site. Where? where hold on. Let's, what? Let's. What kind of work are you doing there at Atlanta, sir? 
I work as a forklift technician. Okay, excellent. All right. So this I is, believe we, there's a song about it somewhere. We should anyway. uh, we should note that the story we're talking about though wasn't, and this is what Tim had to point out to us. It wasn't at Caesar's Palace, Vegas. It was, I believe, at Caesar's Palace in Illinois. Yeah, but shouldn't it be the same rules apply from from gambling casino establishment to well, there, establishment? There are simpler people there in Illinois, sir. They don't. Uh, the only rule they have there is God's law. That's the only law they need. <laughs> yes. Well, that kind of explains quite a bit about. Let me that. Uh, let me ask you this: How did you discover the show if you're living there in Atlanta? Actually, I am a transplant from Oregon. I see. And so, how long have you been down in the uh, in the South, sir? About a year. All right, excellent. Are you listening? To, are you spreading the word to your other Atlanteans? Actually, um, just being at a couple of job sites, I've had a couple of people asking about you. Excellent. So hopefully, yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry about your soon-to-be-failing uh, sports franchise down there. Yeah, did you hear about that? Yes, yes, we did. All right. Hey, Jeff, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Enjoy Atlanta. You continue to spread the word, sir. You call us anytime. Will do, sir. Bye. Thank you. There you go. All right, there you go. That's a guy who finds everything hilarious. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show about Sarah's Soapbox Derby. Yeah, good morning. Um, I uh, was in the Derby about three years ago, and we were... I was going to say everybody is working on their cars the night before. We were working on the brakes the night before, you know, and blind drunk the entire – blind drunk, not only blind drunk while you're driving them, yeah. but blind drunk while they're being designed and executed. It's true. It's true. We can't have a meeting without pizza and, like, an 18-pack of beer. Of course. It, just, it seems like you're more creative. I, yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah, you get better. You drive better when you – no, no. But anyway uh, – the uh, yeah, it's, that's totally that's everybody I've ever known. You know, they're lashing their cars together at the at the last minute, and our car actually rolled. We got uh, the inside wheel on the learning curve. We just slid hard on that wheel, and the whole thing just buckled, and the car went. It was glorious. And, I mean, head over heels, rolling down the hillside. It was wonderful. Don't you worry. You look sexy with a scar, Sarah. Don't you worry about <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Oh, my, my buddy was really hairy. and I'll never forget him standing at the first aid booth, and they're shaving his back. So they, <laughs> <laughs> These are the best of times, aren't they? Yeah, it was wonderful. Glorious. Jesus. Are you going to go this Saturday? Of course. Awesome. Of course I'm going to go. Bye, yeah. All right, come say hi. Well, you may need blood donated. All right. Uh, let's see. Before we do anything else, let's. we should talk about this. Welcome, Scotty J here. Scotty J. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I kiss you on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolius. We're getting a little behind here already. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Scotty J, our intrepid PA. Hello, Scotty J. Well, good morning, talent. And good morning to you, Scotty. Are you being wacky? <laughs> no. Is that the name of a town? That's right. I always tell you names of towns. Yes, I know you Did do. you really it. respond to talent? It's right? a recur. See, it's a callback, though. It's a callback to actually like three stations ago, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Hello, Scotty. Thank you. No, you're too kind. Thank you. All right, Scotty, would you like to share with everybody the good news about what's happening at the bottom of the hour, the very special guest that's going to be joining us here that you'll be interviewing? Dick Van Patten. And no, I won't be. <laughs> this is Dick Van Patten. You came in No, 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 no. This is it. the Rick Emerson show, so. So we'll have to ask him what it was like to work with Mary Teller Moore. Oh, oh! by the way, I got some stuff for you, which so, is cool. Hold on. Well, let's just back he up. He already here. has all the questions ready. Well, okay. You guys First, are let's back up. Pros. Why are we interviewing Dick Van Patten? I mean, I know because he's about to call us, but why did you book that? I'm not saying you shouldn't have. I'm just asking, what was the genesis of that? 
Well, earlier in the month, I believe, or last month, we were. Ta- I think it was last month. We were talking about uh, melamine and dog food, and then we somehow got onto uh, eight is enough somewhere. Or, you know how sporadic this show is. And uh, a listener actually called in. Um, I believe it was Dante, and said, "Hey, you guys should talk to Dick Van Patten." And I said, "I'm on it." And here I am a month later, Dick All Van right. Patten. So this is Dick Van Patten of 8 is Enough fame. That's yeah. another name added to the Rolodex. Yeah, seriously. Pretty like exciting, actually. Another, another thing we can put on our resume. So uh, what is he doing now? Why? What is he, what is he getting out it's of this? It's a dog food peddler. Oh, is that what's in this box? Yeah. It's really not what he's getting out of this because we pursued him. And I know. I talked to him about what anything and everything. What can he do for us? He may have wrapped <laughs> that box himself. All right. Ow, I just broke a fingernail on the box. Blame it on Dick Van Patten. Dick, damn you, Dick Van Patten. Damn your black soul to hell. All right, um, so I'm oh, opening boy. this. All right, so what else has he done that I can ask him about, Scotty? All kinds I'm of stuff. Locked into First of all, they've got a uh, something that they've done to revolutionize the pet industry. They put and t- <laughs> I was gonna say they managed to can they managed to can some food. Okay, so 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 they sent food is obnoxious. So they sent this to you, and yeah. we're gonna test it out on your dog first, and if it works, then I'll take some home. Don't you have a child we can test it on? Doesn't he make dry food? Now, the cool part is... Is that from China? Uh, Dick Van Patten is very cool. He'll talk about anything and everything. And, you know... I really haven't answered the question. Apart from It Is Enough, what else is there that I one talks... A Take a look at the movies he's been in. Oh, he was in Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. On and on and on. He was... He's a big Mel Brooks uh, friend, I guess. Uh-huh. All right. I forgot he was in High Anxiety, too. Oh, and he suffers from diabetes. Let's spend a lot of time talking about that. That'll be interesting. I remember... Uh, Let's talk about the numerous kids on 8 is Enough who've OD'd on various substances over the years. Well, how does he get through that? You know you what know? I didn't... Uh, no, see, but that's... I'm, see, I'm joking there. You see oh. how that's probably the kind of thing you don't bring up? Let's talk about many of the people you know who died of drug overdoses, Dick. Well, okay. You know, wasn't... Uh, Tim, were you telling me that what's her name from 8 is Enough died of a drug overdose? Yeah. What was her name? Was that Lainey O'Grady? Was she... Lainey O'Grady. Didn't she burn down Chicago? Um, the uh, isn't she, is she the one that had the real husky manly voice? I believe so. She was. She seemed a little bit like a trans, like a transsexual. That was. But she was sort of the oldest daughter. Talked a lot like this. But we can ask. Much sold wants. aluminum siding or something on the side. All right. Lady O'Grady. All right. So when she is this? At 46. Now, Tim, you sound excited about this. I am. Good, I remember good. that show. Okay, Tim. Do you have other exciting fun facts about Davies enough, or maybe very special episodes I can bring up? Now, let's see Could this here. be him right now? Way early. Well, you should let him know that uh, we still have a commercial. I will do. Scotty, do you have other exciting anecdotes about uh, about Dick Van Patten? No, I can't wait to talk to him. That's right. All right, Tim Riley. Laney O'Grady was in rehab for five years. Really? Uh huh. Then she checked herself into the mental ward of Sinai for detox. Well, okay then. And uh, apparently, she died there. (laughs) It's the best part. Is let's try to bring up all of these. All right. Fantastic. Well, because it can't just be all... No, she was, she was found dead in her home in Valencia in 2001. This interview is going to be the happiest thing ever. She had severe panic attacks. How can you give up on Scotty so easily? You're letting him get off. You should just because totally the phone make... was ringing. The phone was ringing. You he had to go totally answer make him do it. No, that's going to happen. Okay. All right. Her uh, brother was Don Grady of My Three Sons. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, which one was Don Grady on My he Three Sons? He was the oldest one. Um, oh, he was not Chip and not Ernie, but... Um, that he had that thing in his chin. <laughs> the divot. Yeah. He, um... What was his name? Chip and Ernie and uh, who was the oldest brother of my three sons? Okay, Rob. we're getting we're getting up. Rob. The, is it Rob? Then he got married. Then he had triplets. Damn it, Rob! Um, all right, let's quickly blow through these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, the only thing I know about Dick Van Patten after that is Don and Mike have him on all the time, and he's actually quite engaging. All right, fantastic. Thank you. 
You bet. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, I was going to take my four-year-old to the soapbox derby. Is that inappropriate? No, not at all. No, they're, okay. they're yeah, they're like 80-year-old people and, and kids. It's it's a very, regardless of how much drinking is going on, it's not obnoxious. It's just a really fun, like, Portland day. Okay, good. He loves car crashes, so I thought that'd be okay. It was the drink. <laughs> well, I'll love spraying him in the face with my water gun. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, have, yeah, yeah, they need targets. <laughs> hey, hey, what time does it start? It starts at 10 a.m., but uh, if you want to get there earlier, we're, we're all there at like 7 a.m., so. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Final call. Then we got a break and come back with Dick Van Patten. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, uh, do you remember there was an infomercial Dick Van Patten did in the 90s for something called Durashears? Wait, did he? Do, I was just going to say, did he do the Garden Weasel, too? Or am I making that up? Uh, Durashears. I totally remember the Durashears infomercial. That, that was one of those commercials that was on for like a year and a half, and everywhere you turned, it was there. It and, just ran constantly. And it and it, it forever, it forever, every time I see Dick Van Patten, to this day, I want to think about Durashears. I can't help myself. I'm sure he'll be proud to hear that, sir. Well, I just wonder if he's, you know, that's part of his body of work. We know, should ask. He has some words. It is true, actually. I would love to do an infomercial, really, like a TV <laughs> infomercial. I'm, I mean, people think I'm kidding, but I, those things are really great. They are part of the pop culture. We're, I, I will totally ask him what his favorite infomercial is that he did. There you he's go. Got three things of production right. All right, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I was you, in an infomercial once for um, wireless internet. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember I that. saw Eric Estrada trying to sell land in Arkansas. Really? Yeah, he said he's not very much does of Erica, so you better hurry. Does Eric Estrada know he probably wouldn't be allowed to live in Arkansas himself? Like um, so, the, do you suppose, and then we well, have to break, we have to break, and we'll come back with Dick Van Patten here in just a few. Um, I, I should have brought this up earlier, because apparently the audience is a wealth of Dick Van Patten questions. Do you suppose, if you had to lay odds right now, Dick Van Patten from Eight is Enough uh, will be joining us here in just a few, a few minutes. Do you suppose that he is the kind of interview... Because he's of a certain era and a certain type of, of entertainment. Do you suppose he's the kind who sort of knows that it's a little ridiculous and kind of rolls with it? Or do you suppose he is the sort of, um, the sort of, uh, what's that guy, that Jack Scalia guy who takes it all very, very seriously, no matter how absurd his roles? Well, he's 79 years old. Well, how serious I think he seems, I'm looking at pictures of him. He seems like he hangs out with a bunch of kooky folk. You know, the weird thing about Dick Van Patten is, even now to this day, I am a 34-year-old man. I haven't watched the, the, the Eight is Enough show for like 20 years. Uh, if, you know, probably longer than that. But I still, there's some small part of me that would just love to have him as my dad. You know he what I mean? He was on Arrested Development. I mean, he may hang around Opium Den. When was... Let's ask. Weekend sir, do you, ha- do you hang around it? Or do you... Ha- Tell me about Plato's Retreat, Dick. Um, he wasn't on it. When was he on Arrested He was on two episodes. His name was Cal Cullen. He was on the Righteous Brothers episode in Spring Breakout. I remember Spring Breakout, but I don't remember him. I don't even remember that. And I'm a big Arrested Development but God, clearly he's not. done everything. All right. Well, we're totally breaking. We'll come back after this. Exact. Dick, let's mention that to him, sir. The, I'm from the Van Patten School of Acting myself. Many people follow the Strasburg method. I am in the Dick Van Patten uh, School of Acting. Back after... It's the Rick Emerson Show live in Portland. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN radio correspondents James Root, Lisa Goddard, uh, Tim Riley with the new news hour at the top of the hour. We'll do the top five later on. And uh, so forth. There was some other, what was the other thing we were going to do today? Oh, we have Scotty J's um, audition. Scotty J has prepared a demo version of his exciting new station feature he wishes for there, so we'll do that. 
All right, it's 503-733-2970. You all know our next guest, and for many of the, and this is a thing that is both uh, great and terrible all at once, that for a whole lot of us, I I think there was a series of sort of television-based surrogate parents uh, throughout the 70s and the 80s, and it's probably still the case now. Uh, But for, I think, a lot of us, uh, uh, the following uh, gentleman portrayed one of them with uh, uh, indelible aplomb, let's say. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Dick Van Patten. Hi. Hi, Dick Van Patten. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you. uh, How's life? How are things? Well, life is... I love life. It's fun. I, I play tennis every day. I go swimming in the ocean. Go to the racetrack, have a great life. Let me just, uh, first of all, I have to say this. You are, I mean, I'm looking at the, your Internet Movie Database listing right here, and i got to tell you this. I watch a lot of TV. Uh, I, I have no life, so I, I watch a lot of TV, watch a lot of movies, but I had no idea. I mean, you've got three things in production right now in addition to, like, the 50 things you've done in the last 10 years. I mean, are you just one of those guys, you just, your feet hit the floor every day and you're, you just, you uh... know. I'll tell you what, I was a child actor. I had a stage mother for a mother, and she told me never turn down a job. So I just don't ever turn anything down, so I keep going on. Is it weird to you that you meet, and I'll tell you, I'm 34, so I'm right in the demo, as they say. Yes. Is it strange to you that you meet a lot of people who kind of, as I said, grew up with you as a surrogate uh, parent, a lot of Yes, I get speakers? that all the time. And it's a story flattering, actually. But people come up to me in the street all the time and say, I grew up with you. You were like my father. That's cute. Does it, uh, I mean, does it weird you out at all, or is it, or is it a thing you're just kind of zen with? No, these no, days? I like it. I'm very proud of it. I really am. Um, so you did, obviously, Eight is Enough, and then you did, uh, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff before that and after that, including Spaceballs. And, yes. Which was I one did, of... Uh, four movies for Mel Brooks. Mel is a good friend. In fact, Mel just opened the show, Young Frankenstein, in Seattle two nights ago. So I, I think I might be missing one in my head then, because I got uh, Men in Tights, Spaceballs, High Anxiety. Is there another one that I'm missing? And When Things Were Rotten. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so is that a guy, I mean, is Mel Brooks a guy that you knew long time back, or did he come to you? How'd that work out? No, actually, I used to play tennis with him. And then uh, he just, uh, on the tennis court, he just offered me this job. And then I I did the first picture, then I did three more after that. He's been very loyal to me, and I appreciate it. So having looked, we're talking to Dick Van Patten, having uh, looked through uh, just uh, your filmography, or just all the stuff you've done, I mean, how does it, how does it work out that Dick Van Patten is on an episode of Baywatch? Or does somebody, do they call you, or is that just like a script comes across your desk? Or, I mean, do you just say yes to, to everything just because you always want to be working? How does that work out? Yeah, I tell you the truth, I never turned anything down. And I, I'll tell you how I got that part. I was playing poker with a fellow by the name Mike Burke, and he was the producer of the of that show. The, what, 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 what's the name of it again? Uh, well, you did Baywatch. Baywatch. Yeah. He was the producer of Baywatch, and he asked me if I'd like to play a part on the show. And I said, yes. Yeah. So I got that just through playing poker with him. Now, I have not seen the – I didn't uh, watch – I wasn't a big Baywatch fan. So is that a thing? Did they take you to uh, to the beach and did, with it, surrounded by the girls and the whole thing? They or took was there... me to the beach, and I was surrounded by the girls. It was very pleasant. And then I did my little scene, and we luckily left the beach. Do you have people come up and they will remember you in something that you don't remember making? Yeah, 
that's, that's funny you should say that because I've been working since I was seven years old. So sometimes they go way back, and I will have forgotten what they're talking about. <laughs> and that is true. It's funny you should say that. Um, I, mean, I, I actually, and I'm a big Arrested Development fan, but I actually com was completely oblivious to the fact that you had been in Arrested Development. And I can tell you, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a high mark of quality you get yeah, to be on that show. Yeah, that was a funny show. It really was. Yeah. Who are the people you have worked with, uh, Dick Van Patten, in your career? Well, I've Jump out. Tallulah Bankhead, Frederick March, Alfred Lundgren, Fontan, uh, Henry Fonda. I've, I've worked with the best. I I was with, for four years, I was in the show with Alfred Lundgren and Lynn Fontan. They were considered the best actors in the world, Lundgren and Fontan. And so that was quite an achievement. But I was with Henry Fonda for a year on Broadway, and he was wonderful. And, of course, Mel Brooks, like you mentioned, and Carl Reiner, I've, I've really worked with the best. I've been very fortunate. Let us uh, let us not also forget uh, several times you worked with uh, songmeister Weird Al Yankovic. Oh yes, that's right. Isn't that funny? Yeah, but people were so shocked to see me in an Al Yankovic film. They, they, they were. They were really shocked. I just didn't see the type. <laughs> a lot of this and a bunch of stuff that you do now, uh, obviously, it's people playing off the eight is enough thing, and they're the, the playing off, uh, you know, the Tom Bradford character. Did you? I mean, I know everybody who does a TV show like this gets asked this, but when you did uh, signed up for eight is enough, did you have any uh, inkling that it no. was still a thirty I tell you years the later? Truth. I signed up for the show, and I did not think it was going to be a hit. I figured, well, this is just going to be like Father Knows Best, the Brady Bunch. It's been done before. So I was shocked. It was very well written, and I guess that's why it was a hit. But I didn't think it was going to be that big a hit, no. Uh, so, I mean, while we've uh, got you, I just want to clear up a couple things, things that I've been sort of been nagging at me here. One of them, and this is one of those things that it's either true or it's just uh, like a myth that I've heard repeated so much it seems All true. Right, my was... life is an open book, so what it is, whatever it is, I'll tell you the truth. This, I, and if it's true, you've probably been asked this a million times about Mark Hamill and it is enough. Yes, I'll tell you the whole truth. Mark Hamill was the original Tommy, the young boy on it is enough. And one week before we were going to shoot, he got this job in that you know that big movie. What is it? Uh, well, he got uh, that, uh, what is it, that star or something, Star Wars, did. yes. So he wanted to get out of it is enough. He'd rather do the movie. So he said he was sick. I don't know if he was or not. But anyway, he got out of it is enough, and he did the movie. And then Grant Goody replaced him in it is enough. Did they play that part. Did... But originally it was supposed to be... Was supposed to be uh, Mark Hamill. And was there, an, if, if you remember this, was there an episode of Eight is Enough where the family, I swear to God, it's like they pooled together money to actually buy the newspaper where you worked? Do you remember something, or am I making that up in my head? These no, days? you're right. You're absolutely right. It really was like they mowed lawns or something all summer, and then they actually ended yes, up it buying. Was a good idea. Then there was another script where I have to sell the house. And the real estate woman brings back a whole bunch of hippies. They had no lines. One of the hippies was Robin Williams. He had no lines on the show. He, said, he, told me, he came up to me about a year ago, and he said, you know, I was on your show, ain't this enough? I said, doing what? I don't remember. He said, I was one of the hippies that the real estate agent brought into your house. Does that happen with anybody? He had no lines. Does it happen with anybody else that comes up and they work with you and they're famous now, but you don't remember working with them in the past? Oh, yes. It happened a lot. Kirk Douglas, Burt Lancaster.
Lancaster. They all became students. I'll tell you something else. I was on a TV show called I Remember Mama. Yes. And the two guys that played by, the three guys that played my friends all became superstars. James Dean was one. Jack Lemmon was one. And now I can't think of the other one. They all became superstars. So how do you explain the fact, I mean, he's 79 and still cranking out all this stuff. Uh, you get all these people that they have a the five, six, seven, eight, nine year career, and then just goes in the dumper, and you're you're still working. How do you? What's the magic of Dick Van Patten? Oh well, I don't know. I just I never say no. Excellent. And I'll make sure, you should put that in your resume. They're just Dick Van Patten never, never says, says no. No. And Paul Newman was the other one that played my friend on this show. Hey, uh, it, actually, Scotty J. Uh, when we were talking about you coming on the show today, he actually brought in. I came in and there was this big package sitting on my desk, and it actually says it has your name on it. I didn't know this. It says Dick Van Patten's Natural Balance. Oh yeah, Natural Balance dog food. Is it true that you ate some of this once? Well, we have a certain food that's made. And most uh, dog food is made in an animal plant where they make food for animals. We have this one food that's made in the people plant where they make food for people. And we have this dog food that's made for people to eat. And I ate the dog food. It's very good. Excellent. The uh, website is naturalbalanceeatables. Natural balance, the natural balance eatables, and it says Dick Van Patten's natural balance uh, right on the front of it. I have to ask this just because I'm a guy that, uh, uh, and we thank you so much for your time today. I wanted to ask you as a guy who spends. Uh, I spend a lot of my time uh, just sitting on the couch, uh, staring at the television, just kind of filling up my head with nonsense. <laughs> of of all the infomercials you have done, what was your favorite infomercial? Because you've done it, you've done several of those. Yes, I did an infomercial that was very popular a few years ago. The scissors, scissors that cut a penny in half. That was the uh, magic shears. But the, uh, this was something they cut. A, I had to cut a penny in half on TV. <laughs> that... And listen to this. I was in Chase's restaurant, and President Reagan came up to me, and he said, "Hey, you are, you're, penny, you're cutting pennies in half. That's against the law." And then he smiled and laughed. Fantastic. That's did... funny, President Reagan. Did they? Now, did you did you get through the penny on the first pass, or did you have to do it a couple times? No, I I got through it, but I was a nervous wreck because if it didn't cut, I would look like a fool. But it did cut the penny in half. Your shears. That's what it's called. Dura Shears. Excellent. All right. Uh, a true television legend, the one and only Dick Van Patten. Dick, thank you so much, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you for plugging Natural Balance, too. Not at all, sir. Thank you. You enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Okay. All right. There you go. Continued success. Dick Van Patten. How weird. That was awesome. It was great. I had no idea what to expect. You know, we say that a lot in the show. You know, I guess at a certain point we should begin trusting Scotty's judgment on these things. Don't you think? No. Okay. Me either. Uh, I had to say it, though. I had to throw it out there. How weird, as, as Jerry Seinfeld once said about meeting Bill Cosby, how weird that life is so long you could end up interviewing the dad from Eight is Enough. So strange. And it's got to be strange for him, too. Look, it's not like I'm going to say that Eight is Enough is the greatest show ever made. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't say that. It was, you know, it was a fine program. Um, but it's just so weird to talk to, I mean, for him, it's just a gig, right? It's just a job. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a thing. And you, I mean, you can tell, and I'm not knocking him. He's done. Well, that was the first Jesus. thing he said. He's like, life is great. Yeah, the well, I mean, of course it is. I mean, look, you know, do you realize that just since uh, since 19, well, I mean, look, let's start at the beginning. Since 1950, uh, I'm sorry, since 1959, uh, he has done 134 films. I mean, that's insane. I mean, it's great, but it's insane. So, 
you know, you talk to that guy about about being on 80s enough, and he's like, hey, I was on 80s enough. It's a gig. What are you gonna do? Uh, you know, but but a whole lot of people in my generation are people who grew up watching TV in a certain era. Uh, I mean, he's he's dad. I mean, you know, that's that he's totally he was a surrogate dad. What a cool guy, man. Mm-hmm. Well done, Scotty. Fantastic. And you know, the cool thing was. He got the name of the, the thing out there, but he didn't want to sit and, like, uh, you know, pound you on the head about the dog food. You know why? Because, he, man, he's 79, he's rich, and he's famous. You know, what does, he need, what does he need to sit and, like, relentlessly plug his dog food for? But I did hear that he ate that at one point. I heard that there was, like, he was on TV or it was a commercial or something, and he was just like, so now I will eat the food. All right. Uh, let's see. Where's my, uh, let's see, where the hell is my uh, music bed here? All right. Well, you know what? Before we break, it's time for another exciting Rick Emerson high-concept topic. Today's high-concept topic is surrogate TV parents you sometimes wished were your own. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Surrogate television parents, parents on television that you sometimes wished were your real parents. Sarah, go. Oh, God, I don't know. Oh, are you going to be all well-balanced? I wanted my own parents. No, whatever parents would let their kids do whatever they want. I had strict parents. So the parents would be cool to have, let their um, kids go down and have parties in the basement, and they wouldn't bother them. Now, we'll, uh, we'll not take your phone calls. Complete this sentence, Rick. Mr. and Mrs. Walsh from now to now. Mr. and Mrs. Walsh. <laughs> the subject of this high-concept uh, segment is surrogate television parents that you loved. Uh, for me, I'm saying for me now, uh, it was Esther Roll from Good Times. Well, you never watched Good Times, though. That was probably before your time. Mm-mm. Ah, that's unfortunate. Good Times was a fantastic television program. And there was Esther Roll, and she, man, she was just, just, she was, she was kind of built, she was all bosom. Um, but you just, all bosom, but you just sort of wanted her to embrace you and like her, and like her, her sweet matronly charm. She was just fantastic. Um, I would also have accepted either Kate or Allie from the television program Kate and Allie. All right, it's time for another high concept go through the phones as we uh, talk about surrogate parents you wish had been yours. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. No doubt. Hello, what? Hugh Beaumont, leave it to Beaver's dad. Leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Even as a young child, though, even as like a four or five-year-old, I think I could spot how completely untrue to life Leave it to Beaver was. Um, And it sort of made me angry. Like, even as a child, Leave it to Beaver made me sort of frustrated because I could tell how broadly drawn and how completely disconnected from reality the show was. But he really was... They, Leave it to Beaver probably is still the gold standard, don't you think, for, I do, I for do. television you know, families? People, there's a website, a memorial website to Hugh Beaumont out there, and you should just read the postings. They go on and on, yards and yards of postings about, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and beat me, and you were the only oh. dad I have. And, oh, that's sad. Yeah, and, you know, you raised me, you kept me going. You know, you know I, I thought the whole world hated me, but both my parents tortured me, and, and you were the dad I wanted to have, and, and, you know, I always loved you for that, blah, blah, blah. So, he, you know, he really earned it. He was a minister in real life, actually. Really? Is that true? Yes. That's so perfect, because that's one of those guys, you know, it's like if you'd found out in real life he raised pit bulls and burned crosses <laughs> exactly. or something, it would just kill you. Like Bella right. Lugosi. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. F you! Let's shoot this effort. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. The subject is surrogate television parents you wished had been your own. Laura Petrie. Laura Petrie. Totally. Of course, you know, there'd be a downside, because... 
all your friends would just want to hang around your house to and, be around your mom. And F your hot, your hot <laughs> mom. Totally. You know, and there was, I think, a Douglas Copeland novel. I think it was Microsurf that talked about Laura Petrie and just and, you know, the, how hard it was to imagine her aging or getting older or being alive now, like in the 90s or in the 2000s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hot television mom. You know, also, I would also, uh, speaking of hot television moms, there was that small period of time when Sandy Duncan was on the Hogan's mm. uh, when she had replaced, what's her name, Valerie Blah 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 uh, on that program. Laura Petrie, good answer, sir. Bye. All right. Uh, we'll finish this out, and then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with Tim Riley. The subject is surrogate television parents you wish had been your own. Uh, Mr. Belvedere's dad. I don't even remember Mr. Belvedere's dad. Oh, come on. He hired a butler named Mr. Belvedere for his kids. I just remember Mr. Oh, I see. So I was going to say I only remember Mr. Belvedere. So, wait, was Mr. Belvedere's dad Sparky? What's his name? Oh, I, I'm bad with actors' names. Was it? Oh, now I don't even remember. On Mr. Sarah, did you watch Mr. Belvedere? Nope. I feel like I need some sort of a like a ringer Gen Xer to sit in the studio with me sometimes and answer these thirty-something questions. I okay. So am I? I think I might be confusing the shows now. But I think on Mr. Belvedere, I think the dad was. I think his name was Sparky Anderson. And he was like an he was like an old baseball guy. Uh, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. Mr. Belvedere was great, though. I mean, just every... He was like sort of a poor man Sebastian Cabot, like every British stereotype in the world, but very soothing. All right. Thank you, sir. All Thank right. you. Hi, you're on the Rick Someone's Emerson radio person. program. Uh, Maggie and Jason Seaver. Oh, right. Okay. No, no. Good. And also, now it's going to bug me. It's going to bug me if I can't remember the name of Valerie, what's her name, on Valerie's family. Harper. Valerie Harper. <laughs> and then she wanted more money, and so the producers killed her off in a car accident. And then it became Valerie's family. Then it became the Hogan's with Sandy Duncan, who only has one eye. All right. There you go. The, the Seabird. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, we'll finish out this bank of calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Edith and Archie Bunker. Yes. Yeah, everybody wanted that. Let me ask you this, sir. Speaking of e uh, Edith and Archie Bunker, did you ever watch the short-lived spinoff of that called Gloria? Yeah, that lasted, what, like uh, seven episodes? Terrible. It was even worse than Archie's Place, which I didn't think was possible. Gloria, when it was revealed, and they totally do this whole weird retroactive continuity where they reveal that Meathead ran off and joined some skank woman at a hippie commune, and so Gloria has to come back home and, like, she works for, like, PETA or something. Yeah, yeah, it was... Yeah, that was sad. That was something we just don't talk about we, anymore. We blanket out of our collective memories. Hey, you know, the cool part about Archie is, hey, he had the Sammy Davis come over to his house one time. That so. is that is true. Very well, very well spotted. And you know what? Let's be honest about this. Let's just speak honestly as adults. Archie Bunker may have been a terrible uh, dad, but you know Edith would have been a great mom. You know, the sad thing is that um, my dad was very Archie and my mother was very Edith. Now, get in line, sir. How sad for all of us. Yeah. All right, thank you. Three more and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. All right, that makes it easy. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, did you get that it was Bob Euchre who was the dad on Belvedere? Bob Euchre, right. Why am I thinking his name was Sparky something or other? Sparky Anderson is a baseball manager. So I'm confusing the two of them. So I'm yeah, they resemble each other, actually. All right, so Bob Euchre, I do know. Okay, so, but I am confusing Bob Euchre with Sparky Anderson. All right, excellent. I could tell you who I want my TV dad to be Mr. Papadopoulos from Webster. It, it, with uh, And that was, um, what's his name, Kara, Alex Karras? Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, Mongo from Blazing Saddles. You know, yeah. the, you know then the mom, talk about a hot TV mom. She's not really my uh, style, but that mom on Webster was pretty hot. She had a style to her. Hey, Tim Riley rules. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, there you go. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, I was just calling in with the Bob Euchre thing. So, uh, 
Yeah, kind of daily the dollar short like usual. That's okay. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks. Don't don't blame yourself. Uh, final call on the surrogate television parents topic. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, um, I don't know if anyone mentioned it. What about Mr. and Mrs. C? Oh, on the on the on the happy, happy days. days, yeah, Mr. Yeah. I always found. I always found Richie, uh, Richie Cunningham's parents to be a little uh, off-putting, actually. I mean, really, to be brutally honest, it just really they just seem so naggy all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, they just see I don't want to say they were oppressive, because that's probably overstating it. Apartheid is oppressive. They were just irritating. It did seem like Richie just never had a moment to himself. You know what I mean? I can see that. You yeah. ever get the yeah. feeling yeah. like... Well, Right, he, he did not, you're right. Like if Richie just wanted to cut loose and have fun, that was just not going to work. Because And then his dad was always... Well, you'd have to go upstairs to Fonzie's. <laughs> Mr. There. Mr. Cunningham was always wearing that weird... What was that group? It wasn't the Water Buffalo, but it was like a loyal order of Water Buffalo... Yeah, yeah. Fez-wearing thing that he was always going off to? Yeah, excellent. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, hey, hey, what about the, uh, the Flintstones parents, too? <laughs> Speaking of water buffaloes. All I remember is that on the Flintstones, Wilma's mom was like the very stereotype of an angry mother-in-law, and she was all stout and had a really deep lesbian voice. And uh, yeah. it, you got the feeling that if she could have killed Fred and buried his body in a quarry somewhere and gotten away with it, she would have done it. All right. Excellent. Thank You're you, right sir. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Uh, well, we're going to break uh, as soon as we take this non-surrogate TV parent call for Sarah. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Hi. Uh, Sarah, I've been able to catch the last, the last three days completely in their entirety. I have not once yet found out if you've been able to watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles yet. I have not. Did you, do you even have it? Have you no, obtained it? No, I don't yet, but I want to go buy that today and Ed Wood. You should go to CD Game Exchange today and I buy both of those. I think perhaps I will. You should do yeah, see, I was afraid I missed something, but apparently I did not. You're just you're a slacker, McFly. You I... watched all those other movies, but not that one you said you were going to watch. I know. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Only with this show and to this audience would it be considered <laughs> slacking that you're not sitting on your sofa watching movies quite often enough, right, which is great. Best audience ever. Thank yes, you. Yes, best show ever. Thank, Thank you. you Bye-bye. All right, there you go. All right. We should take a break. I could do the surrogate parent thing all day, but we have to take a break. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Don't go anywhere. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Was it ever stated on the Brady Bunch that Mr. Brady designed the house? I believe so. Is that a thing we all just assume because he's an architect? Hmm. This guy says, my vote would still be Carol and Mike Brady, cliched, but they were still the coolest. I always wanted to live in that house. All right, there you go. Oh, and then he says, trivia, it was implied or stated in the show that Mike Brady designed the Brady home. I think that may be a little bit of retconning, sir. Uh, all right. I'll read this one email, then we'll uh, join Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Rick, you are a bastard. I just woke up in a panic thinking that a spider was on my face. The story... Oh, this is at 1.54 in the morning, by the way. The story you read uh, is and will be giving me nightmares for a month. It's 1.30 a.m., and I can't sleep without thinking about that geek in his house and all the spiders coming out of his mouth. May you burn in hell, Rick Emerson. Signed... Best show on radio. Too bad you're not on longer. I really get a lot of laughs out of the show. Jersey. Thank you. I can, glad I can help Jersey. Here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I don't think your microphone is on. 
How about now? Yes. Well, those crazy people in Clackamas County have done it again. Campers condo man in rural Clackamas County in a campground. Uh, are you? Is this deliberate? Are you doing that on purpose? What are you talking about? There's always alliteration. Campers, Campers condo man, man in a Clackamas camp county campground. <laughs> Excellent. Peeping into a toilet and made the citizens arrest. Binding the man to a tree until police arrived. Uh, campers detained the man. They say they caught peeping into a campground bathroom. Of all the places to watch somebody get nude, in a Clackamas campground County. toilet. Uh, this happened after a group of adults were camping at the Big Band campground near Estacado. <laughs> this just gets worse. When they spot a man watching female campers defecating and urinating oh. into an open latrine. Oh. Welcome to the lunch hour. Mm-hmm. At that point, a posse of campers... I long to see someone's anus. Where should we go? How about Estacada? You bet. The, the posse of campers captured the man as he tried to run away, brought him back to the campground, and tied him to a tree. Jesus. Now, while tied to a tree, the man admitted that he'd been peeping at campground bathrooms for years. It's sort of a, a hobby. <laughs> well, there's, maybe, he, maybe he doesn't act, have access to remote-controlled cars or something. So uh, one of the campers said they caught the same man peeping at this campground last year, too. Also, at a campground in Washington and several others. The suspect is Richard Berkey of Beaverton. He's also discovered to be in possession of maps for areas of interest to investigators. So he has uh, been cited for public indecency, but released... Don't you like it when the burglar gets beat up or shot? I do indeed. Especially when it's by an old person. That's the only thing that makes the story better is if it's like some 75-year-old guy who just shotguns a burglar to death. I don't have the homeowner's age here. But the homeowner put the brakes on a burglary when he shot the tires of the burglar's vehicle. Hal Durrett said he felt he did the right thing when he saw a suspicious man outside his Toledo, Washington home. Uh, According to the homeowner, he just came home from work in the coop and he spotted a man walking around his work truck. He saw the truck doors were open. He wasn't sure if they were open or not, but apparently the guy was looking in the truck, and people just shouldn't be doing that. So the homeowner gets his 40 caliber semi-automatic, hoping to scare the man away just as the man was entering his house through the back door. Uh, Dorette said he kept the gun pointed at the man while he dialed 911, and that's when the man fought with him and ran to a white van with a septic maintenance logo parked in the driveway. Fantastic. He got into his van and uh, started to go, so... Well, I just put a couple of rounds in his tires. He <laughs> oh, shut up the van's tires. Oh, not in the man, but in no, the tires. Unfortunately. Well, right. uh, deputies uh, located the van with flattened tires about a quarter mile away and uh, took a guy into custody. You know, any just any sort of outlying redneck towns, any place in the Northwest. I mean, really, the Northwest, it's, uh, it's all like one big house owned by Ted Nugent. There's, yeah. This is just not a part of the country where I'd be burglarizing people's homes. Oh. Because they're all armed to the teeth and dangerously drunk and unstable, and they're not going to think twice about just putting one right in your head. Mm-hmm. So that guy got off lucky that it was only his tires. Uh, Washougal police suspected arsonist torched uh, officer's patrol car, the home where he lives, in retaliation for a police crackdown on illegal drugs. This was a 2000 Ford Crown Victoria. It was to, uh, destroyed shortly before midnight. The car was assigned to a Washougal canine officer and his drug-sniffing dog. So apparently, uh, well, this officer tries to arrest a pusher man. Uh, people are trying to get even by torching his car. Lucky <laughs> nobody was in there. Then there was a police chase through southeast last night to the surprise of no one. And police found some precious cargo in the back seat. A toddler, a three-year-old who wasn't hurt, and was wearing a seatbelt. 
uh, but was not in the car during the chase. Now, how did this occur? Uh, police said officers tried to stop the car, didn't know the toddler was inside. Then starting Beaverton, officers started uh, following the car after it was, oh, it was a theft from a Marshall's store. It, somebody left their child in the car. Well, that's well they were going to Marshall's. Yeah. I mean, really. And uh, the stop was at Southeast 92nd Avenue in Southeast Stark. The car's tires were deflated after uh, running over some strip spots. So where was the car stolen from? Uh, stole, stolen from Marshalls. Which which Marshalls it is? Oh, really? There could be several. <laughs> I was just I was just gonna say probably Mar- Marshalls is one of those. Marshalls is one of those places that really just does appear sort of everywhere. It's everywhere you want to want to be. Let's say the driver is a 24 year old Kandarine Hudson. She's facing uh, charges, including attempt to elude a police officer, reckless driving, and reckless endangerment. Excellent. By the way, did you know Dick Van Patten was in Soylent Green? Soylent Green? Yeah. Says he played an evil doctor of food production in Soylent Green. You have to ask him about this. I didn't even get this until... Who knew? Maybe he'll come back on again. I mean, really, have it, well, I think he's on Don and Mike like every three days. I think he, re- he really is just one of those guys that's on that show constantly. Um, here's another one. This is We're getting a, a big spate of these emails. Rick, we should. that story about the spiders eating the guy didn't freak me out. I voted for the camel until I started wondering about my recent earache. I had an odd 24-hour earache last week, and it's felt clogged ever since. There better not be a spider in there. Uh, I can't get this thought out of my head now. Every time I itch my eye, I wonder if baby spiders are tickling me. So I've heard from several people, actually, who have sort of unexplained tickles, itches, ailments, welts. Not quite sure what it is, but now they're just assuming they're a nesting ground for arachnids. Glad we could help. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, boy, is it things aren't bad enough for PDX. Actually, they're not as bad as most airports, but now the government is coming to help us. So we, we know that things are going to go downhill from here. Uh, the government is sending special security teams for a crackdown on travelers at PDX. Just days before I'm getting ready to leave. Uh, this is from Homeland Security. We know how good they are at this. They have deployed federal agents and local police known as Viper Teams, V-I-P-R. Uh, these are visual, intermodal protection and response teams. That's how they make Viper out of that. They've been deployed nearly uh, 84 times in the past year. The agency dispatches these teams around the country, especially during peak travel days and special events. But there's no specific threat. Well, so somebody sent me this big sort of aggregation of news stuff. So we've got, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not some uh, nutcase conspiracy guy. So somebody put all these together. These are all like from legitimate news, store, news sources. So we've got this. Special security teams descend on PDX for no, I mean, does it say why? No. It's just no, for no readily apparent reason. Just to hold things up. Yeah. Irritate people. Uh, and so, let's see. I, um, I don't know. See, I don't now. I've, I've lost the rest of it. Uh, somebody sent me, though. It was a whole uh, series of things that are happening all at once, mm-hmm. and it was all it was you know it was because there's that happening. There's the um, uh, you know that the, the, the weird like dirty bomb uh, uh, you know test thing that they're going to be doing. There's like nine of those things, and then there's Operation Noble Enduring blah 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 you know whatever. And it was the thing. It was all like happening in the same week, and yet they are all supposedly unrelated issues. It's just weird. I mean, it's either something really, really well-planned, yet ill-concealed by the government, or it's just something, or the government is just inept, and they're planning all of these things at the at the same time, just so we don't, oh, here we go. So it's Operation Enduring Freedom Eagle? So this, okay, so the, here's here's a bunch of stories. This person, Tracy, put these all in an email and sent these to me. These are all from, uh, like, the Associated Press. These are all from real news stories. Turn it up from my Clyde. F, this one's from Seattle. FBI flooded with tips after releasing photos. Two men are seen aboard, and it's a caption of some... Uh, oh, I've seen that, yeah. D- they do look to be uh, men of uh, Middle Eastern descent. They do. 
Or Italian. The two men above are seen aboard a Washington State ferry in this photo released by the FBI. FBI agents are working through tons of tips they received after releasing a photo of two men who they say were acting suspiciously aboard Washington State ferries. Okay, that's from today. Here's this. Special security teams have been dispatched for a crackdown on travelers at Portland International Airport. That's today. Here's another one. A U.S. military drill designed to enhance homeland security in the event of a nuclear terrorist attack. See, I thought it was a dirty bomb attack. I guess, or maybe it's the same thing. It's not part of uh, Operation Enduring Eagle Freedom. I really don't know. The exercise, part of the Noble Resolve program, is set for tomorrow through Friday in Portland, Oregon. I like the words, Noble Resolve. Involves coordination with local officials in a model nuclear attack. So there's all these things the same day. There's a, a nuclear supposed drill. There's the FBI looking for a bunch of guys who they had in Seattle but who they've lost track of, who were acting suspiciously. And then there's a whole bunch of special security teams descending on PDX for, as the government says, no real reason. So today's a, a day called X and tomorrow's a day called Y. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. That makes sense. Tomorrow might be a day off, for all we know. That would be good. So, all right. Uh, Don't have, worry, uh, though. I'm sure the government has things firmly in hand. And they all speak to each other, so they're always, always on top of things. Uh, security may involve a random vehicle inspections of PDX. And uh, let's see, they're here for two days, starting today. Yeah, don't you worry. They'll be gone by Friday. Government, government's here to help you. Yes. Uh, Vancouver police responded to a 911 call from the Fred Meyer on Grand Boulevard regarding a carjacking last night. Female victim says she was confronted outside the store by a man who held a knife to her throat. They took her 2,500 cord, but what they, the thief didn't know, it had a GPS system in it. So mm-hmm. they, they found it. It was activated. And they arrested a guy, 18-year-old Pedro Graciano of Vancouver, taken in custody. Congratulations, Pedro. You're a sap. <laughs> well done. Uh, a woman has been hospitalized after being mauled by two pit bulls who came into her house. This happened in Gate Harbor. This is it. They've learned how to operate door handles mm-hmm. now. The two uh, dogs came through the door. They were left slightly open. Don't even do that. Now, this woman was in bed at 9 a.m. with the door slightly open. When medics arrived, they found the woman who had crawled into her car to escape from the dogs. Are you suspecting that there's more to this story than meets the eye, Tim? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why was the door left slightly ajar? And where was where does she live? Uh, Gig Harbor. Well, that's kind of a Seattle area, yeah. place, isn't it? That's near Bremerton. All right. It's on the other side of the Tacoma Narrows. Yeah, it doesn't really say anywhere on the other side of a Tacoma anything. doesn't seem like a place where you would leave your door open unless you'd passed out. Not that I'm saying that's mm-hmm. the case. All right. But it seems strange that she left her door open just to crack. Well, and, and they're back into bed. Although it, do, it is perfect for anything even remotely near Tacoma that there's just um, that there's just packs of pit bulls apparently just roaming the streets ready to take down the weak. Mm-hmm. That's like that story we were talking. We had the story yesterday, the monkey watch about the um, you know the monkey that they. I swear to God, he had three chained locks on his cage, which he apparently picked. I mean, look, I'm a human being, okay? With yes, you are. With I'm not a number. Damn it. I'm a man. Um, I'm a human being with, I would, you know, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not like the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm nobody's fool. I can't pick a lock. Can anybody in this room pick a lock? Well, I'm no monkey. So that's what I'm saying. How is it that a monkey can pick not one, not two, but three locks, which are specially designed to defeat being picked? And they come in and the locks have just been picked and the monkey's just, you know, wandering down the street to get a drink or something. Um... Somebody notes that this is exactly like that thing in Escape from the Planet of the Apes where Cornelius says, uh, you know, uh, you know, one, 
I obeyed my human captors. And then one day, I said no. I mean, that's exactly what it is. This is really the rise of the monkeys. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's uh, today's China Recall. It's SpongeBob SquarePants and dress books and journals are full of lead. So why don't they just have a lead area of Toys R Us from now on? <laughs> if people of, want these things, that should be freedom of one, choice. One, one of the little tabs at the top of the Amazon.com page. Books, popular music, clothes, lead, lead. toys. <laughs> Clearly there's a clamor for lead. Mm-hmm. A hanker for a hunk of lead. And how did all this lead get to China? Um, I don't really know. I mean, isn't uh, I bet we gave it to them. Probably. And now they're using it against us. We offered them their choice. Capitalist of, dog. One from... They offered them their choice. What, you can either have anthrax or lead. You get one from Color B. Which would you like? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I was just going to tell you um, this top-off thing, and I apologize if you've been talking about this a lot lately. I was on a plane all yesterday, so I didn't hear the show. Did you have to uh, Did you have to pass through heightened security at PDX, sir? I came from South Carolina, so I didn't really notice anything at PDX. All right. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, they do this top-off thing every couple of years. Um, now, this, now let's be clear about this. Is I can't believe we're spending so much time talking about this, but I, we can't get a straight answer from anybody out of it. Because there's this top-off thing, and then there is this noble resolve, noble freedom, whatever the hell it is. And these are two separate drills happening in Portland in two separate months. And so what, what is the one you're talking about? Top off. It's short for top officials, I think it is. Okay. I found a uh, frequently asked questions page I'll send you in a minute. All right. And so this is happening uh, where and what does it involve? Uh, I don't know anything about the current one. I just know the basic stuff they do. I participated in one back in 2003 up in Seattle. Uh-huh. And it was it was kind of interesting. They, uh, It's... It's basically just a big rehearsal drill in the event that you had to do it. Um, but, I mean, to do a, what? Like, what? Like what? to do what? What is the thing? Well, the part that I mostly participated in was uh, I got to be one of the victims. Of? They had a chemical decon site where you go through. They strip you down, basically put you through a car wash. They're power washing you. Lucky you. How did you, how did you get such a plum assignment? Look, we're going to need to strip you and hose you down repeatedly. Right, Were and you... then they put you in one of those clean suits, you know, where it's like uh, the uh, Oompa Loompa TV room suit. Yeah, good reference. How many people were involved in this? Um, let's see, from my group, there's like maybe six of us. All right. And then uh, there were a bunch of... Um, Do you work for the government? I'm in a reserve unit. All right, okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. So we just volunteered to be bodies for this, pretty much. All right, so they do this, so they do this every year in your experience. Not every year, but every, like every two or while. three years. They did one in 2001, 2003, and I think somewhere in 2005. All right, excellent. The really cool thing is they do a virtual news network. Uh, you can only you can only get the feed if you're in one of the agencies involved. And is it, do they have do they have people pretending to be newscasters and and they're exactly. doing mock news reports about some hideous so disaster that's befallen there, us? Somewhere out there is a whole lot of footage of people talking about, and uh, the dirty bomb went off in oh, New York. You know that that's going to get leaked onto the Internet with no header on it, and everybody is just going to 
freaking panic. You know, they're just going to blow yeah. their stack. I'm going to do one of those. Now. Uh, I, I, I need it for my reel. Thank you, sir. Excellent. Thank you for the clarification, my friend. We should totally do that. We should offer to just get on the air and start screaming that a dirty bomb has gone off. You bet. You be part of a controlled... You know, we I, could... I'd like to do that. We could pitch it as some sort of a controlled social experiment. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not unlike Scotty J drinking all the fortified wine. We should totally pitch this as a, as a uh, psychological experiment that the government can run on the people of Portland. They can tell us, you know, whatever the disaster is, and we will just come on and pretend that the entire city is a big, smoldering cinder. Fantastic. Let's do one more, and then we'll continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, two things, Rick, uh, real quick. Yes. First of all, uh, nice prisoner reference a couple minutes ago. I caught that. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. You made a reference to the prisoner. I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Oh, no, no. that's Okay. See, it's a double reference then. You're talking about The Prisoner, which is the great surrealist drama uh, that, uh, I don't know, it's sort of a cult following which has been parodied in many places, including The Simpsons. I was actually doing Bob Seger's uh, Feel Like a Number there. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, second thing, if, if any crap came down in this city, this city would grind to a screeching, screaming halt. And many people would die. The city is not prepared. No one would know where to go, what to do, or anything. We would all just probably cower uh, because we've got Tom Potter at the helm, and uh, he would prefer to, uh, well, I don't know what he'd prefer to do, but he, I don't think he'd do good in a big emergency like that. So the, uh, so well, I'd find the backstop and go home with the suburbs. I was going to say, I, and, and leave you to your death. I've got that Battlestar Galactica first season to occupy me for a while at least. So, so to, uh, to any and all you know, uh, foreign enemies of the United States, you do believe that Portland is the place they should go after. It would be well. I'm not. I think it would be horrible. I think that the yeah. city would seriously. Uh, no one. Uh, okay, if there was a bylaw. Uh oh. Where would you go? Somebody, somebody <laughs> doesn't want that to be heard. Where would you go? <laughs> we didn't go anywhere. Somebody put it into you. Excellent. All right. It's almost like he got busted at a Clackamas campground. That's Seriously, a weird. you cut to his house and there's just some guy speaking into his shirt cuff right before it all. And goes it doesn't wild. matter to me because I still have my own little miniature studio in my office. Yes. at home, we can communicate that way. Fantastic. You, you'll be like uh, you'll be like what's his name? You'll be like Howard K. Smith in V. The visitors have seized control of the state capitol. Good luck and be brave. Uh, all right, let's do one more and then we'll break. What an odd program. Started off with Dick Van Patten. Now that guy's been silenced by a black shirt. Mm-hmm. It's all going strangely today. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, speaking of Operation Top-Off, something similar happened in Shirley, New York. It wasn't exactly the kind of topless car wash many motorists expected. Male drivers who paid $5 for a topless car wash ended up getting hosed. You see, there were some young women holding up signs along a New York Parkway advertising a car wash and telling the drivers where to go. But hidden behind the big blue tarp, it was a shirtless male firefighter watching the car. Yes, the fire chief admitted it was a little bit of a bait and switch. Female drivers didn't seem to mind the shirtless firefighters, though. Male drivers, of course, felt that they were getting burned. But it was all for good cause, raising money for charity and children. And that's one to grow on. Uh, They were having that same topless car wash thing down... Uh, on 12th and Hawthorne. Really? It was kind of hilarious. There was, a, there was like a little like 16-year-old boy dancing around without his shirt off, and the girl was like, car wash. Well, she was holding it in front of her, and then he'd pop out from behind the side. By the way, can I just tell you, speaking of it, I was, um, 
I was uh, standing in line at Safeway last night, and I thought we could have. We were talking yesterday about how we used to do the show, you know, how talk show hosts worked before the internet. And of course, it was a lot of magazine reading that you would do. And it, Cosmo is a talk show host's best friend, especially if you're reading. You know, we didn't have access to the net. If you were a guy doing a morning show or a talk show, there was a couple of things you always subscribed to. You subscribed to Entertainment Weekly. You subscribed to Rolling Stone. You subscribed to Playboy, and then USA Today, and then Cosmo. And you would get a wealth of material out of Cosmo every day because it's just. Especially now with the sort of the maximization of all magazines, but Cosmo was totally laid out. Uh, it, 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 you know, any single page in Cosmo would give you like, uh, you know, that'd be, that'd be like three days of material in a morning show. So I'm standing in line, and I haven't bought. I, I mean, I don't even know that I subscribe to any magazines now. I mean, I get Blender and Maxim from Tim when he's done with it, but I don't think I actually subscribe to anything because I kind of read it on the net. But and so I'm in, I'm in line, Leslie. Well, that is really the fate of magazines. Yeah. I mean, what, what can you do with a Time magazine? Well, really, and I mean, or Newsweek, with, or Sports Illustrated. The only way that they can even that they can hope to even survive is to try to have more um, long form coverage that doesn't try to be cutting edge. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's all going to be immediately dated. The idea of a magazine, somebody giving you breaking news, is just ridiculous. But so I'm standing in line last night. And I'm seeing the Cosmo magazine in front of me. And, of course, you know, and I made a vow long ago to quit being suckered in by the front, by the, the cover of a Cosmo. Because the the taglines or the headlines for an article, the tease for an article in Cosmo or in Maxim, for that matter, it's always so much more interesting than the article itself. It's always like, you know, the one sex tip that will blow his mind, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, and it's always just some crap. So I, I was taken in by this one, though. There was like the big sunburst right in the corner of the Cosmo, and it said... How to tell if your man is secretly gay. The one surefire tip-off. And I thought, well, the one surefire tip-off, it sounds like I can become a more learned person in just 10 or 12 seconds. How can I not read it? So while I'm standing in line waiting for the guy in front of me to finish buying, like, his, whatever, his 500 pounds of liver or whatever the hell he's buying, I take this Cosmo off, and, of course... All magazines are designed to make it. It's like a scavenger hunt trying to find the table of contents in a magazine. I mean, no matter what it is, Rolling Stone and even music magazines have gotten this way now, where there's like 35 pages of ads right at the very beginning. Hidden in there somewhere is a very thin, very hard-to-find table of contents page that I think is actually... I think it's actually been sprayed with some sort of substance so that it sticks together with all the other pages via static cling, so you can't actually get the pages separated. It also helps, by the way, that in front of a magazine that they don't actually put any page numbers on anything there anymore. So you can never find it. So I finally tracked down this article in the Cosmo about the how to tell if your man is secretly gay. The one surefire sign. Does already know what the one surefire sign is? Mineral water? No. <laughs> Mineral water? No. I don't know. What is the other guy's name? <laughs> Kurt and Ram took each other's lives in the secret homosexual love pact. No way. No, it's not that. I swear to God, the one surefire tip, it actually says this in Cosmo. The one surefire way to know if your man is secretly gay. He gets off to lots of gay porn. Are you kidding me? I swear me? to God, that's apparently the secret surefire. Uh, they, they don't actually say gay. They say male on male. So if he gets off to lots, secretly gets off to lots of male on male porn. There may be cause to maybe consider just the possibility. Apparently, I mean, look, I'm, I'm no scientist, but it does seem like that may be just the tiniest indicator. You may just want to be thinking about it. There you go. I've saved you the 595 and the numerous paper cuts you would endure trying to find that article in Cosmo. Who knew? I really, I was stunned. I, I was shocked. 
Uh, we should take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner later on. CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop, Lisa Goddard, and Scotty J auditions his exciting new show segment for us. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Because of War of the Worlds. Uh, people aren't listening all the time. Maybe that's an urban legend, though. I always heard that because of War of the Worlds, the radio play, that it is now illegal to to, uh, uh, to say we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement if it is not actually a public, you know, if it's not a real emergency. Hmm. Or, I or, that. or maybe it's that you can't use the word emergency. I always heard that because of because of the War of the Worlds panic which has kind of been overstated over the years, but which was still very real, um, that it is now illegal. I think it's a, that you can't say we interrupt this program to declare an emergency. I think you can't say that if it is not actually an emergency, if there is not a serious a public health risk or public safety risk. I think it's actually a crime now. Yeah, all right. We were just talking about what, it up. what we would do during a, what we would do if there was an actual emergency here. Tim's immediate response was, I would be on the max at home. There you go. Unless I, I could find an axe to break into the sack machine. <laughs> That's solidarity right there. Hey, we have a big bottle of Jägermeister, and we're in a basement. We could just stay here. Let me ask you this right now. If you knew a meteorite was heading for the Earth, going to be here in 35 minutes, what would you do? 35 minutes, yeah. that's it? 35 minutes, which means, that's, this is not real, by the way. We're saying, what if? This is totally, you know, we could, this is how legends are born. They said a meteorite was heading for the Earth. Uh, if a meteorite was going to be here at 115, bam, get... hits the Earth, we pretty much know we're all hosed. What do you do? I'd want to get my Muppet. Aw, that's adorable. Well, I, could, I wouldn't just want to leave him there. All right. No. I'd only go to my house and get my Muppet and, and put on a record that I really like. All right. Tim? I don't know. I don't have enough time to get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you're screwed. I'd like to be a third of you the way to home. Abandon us. <laughs> I'd like to die on the max surrounded by the homeless while, while one-third of the way Scotty, to my house. If Scotty gave me a ride home, I might be able to make it. <laughs> and, and I'm sure the road's going to be empty. Yeah, and drivers will be very you, cooperative. Like you know what Rick would do? Rick would broadcast until the last second. Oh, told, well, what, I have no life. Why should that change at the end? What am I going to do? Like, I'm suddenly going to find something. And then you find out afterwards that you were never on the air at all. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) They've been taking the transmitter down for readings. Totally. uh, I'm sorry. We had your mic unplugged. Like, like it's going to be, you know, seriously, what else? You know, like it's going to be in a movie somehow and I'm going to, you know, no, 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 I'll go... I'll go launch myself into space and solve everything. That's not going to, you know. So you, there wouldn't even be any attempt to contact your wife? No, she's, well, I mean, I suppose, but I mean, she's way up in the hill. How am I going to get there? I mean, you know. You can I'm just no way. No, I mean, I'd call her, I suppose. I'd have her on as a guest. I'm just saying, there's no way I can get to the top of the hill. The gondola's right down here. I can't even do the stairs without huffing and puffing. What are you talking about? Gond- <laughs> if you rode your bike more than once a week. <laughs> in my face. Yes, that's it. I'm, I guess I might actually take that opportunity to use the tram for the first time. All right, here's Tim Riley. So, did you know that uh, only one in four adults reads a book every year? It's uh, true. Now, I think that's backward. But one I'm in not... four adults read no books. Last so, yeah, so it's last year. Last year. It's still terrifying, though. It's Last year, it's like, what, 25% of people yeah. didn't read a single book last year, Scotty. The new poll finds that one in four adults say they read no books at all. Uh, the poll finds that the typical person claims to have read four books in the last year. About half read more than half 
Okay, this story <laughs> is it meant to be written read by, by human beings. Written by somebody who doesn't read. Who is that? Where's that news story from? Tell me it's KGW. This is Kane TV. Oh, really? Back. Oh, right. Wayne TV. All right. So. People uh, don't read. Well, Take our word for it. It's just folded it up. And the irony I'm is that. done with it. <laughs> the irony is that one, one out of one newscasters in this room will not even read this story. No. So there you go. So if you wondered why people around you were, were getting dumber, it's not an illusion. They really are becoming stupider by the day. What's with this book? I. I better put it down. It's all full of words and whatnot. Speaking of which, I'm between. I I almost don't even want to say this, because then I'm going to get nothing but book recommendations all day. Uh, and I just I'm be, since no one apparently has a copy of that Polinic book, because everybody who had it has lent it out somewhere. I got to find something else to read. So I got to like uh, maybe I'll finish that. You should just purchase book. it. Yeah. I'm kind of pissed though because I just bought that book. I'm holding off on book purchase. Books are really expensive. They really are. You know, maybe I, you know, I think it might be, I think I might have it, but I was looking for the old cover. I blew like 15 bucks on that Wasp Factory book, which I read in like a day and a half. And it just doesn't seem like a good, it's not that I'm opposed to paying for books as such, but it's like, you know, I go to the library a lot because books are freaking expensive. They really are. Books uh, are free at the library. That's what I'm saying. It's, I mean, books really, and it, going to the library seems like a really lame thing to do. You're like, I don't want to the library. What am I, some lame Smelly people. But that, well, that's the, the thing. Until you, until you get back in the habit of doing it, once you get back in the habit of going to the library for your books, you just, you wonder why you just don't do it all the time. You wonder, like, why you would ever buy a book. But I'm just sort of out of that habit. It's a thing I do when I'm unemployed. So, anyway, here's Tim Riley. Let's uh, do a corpse watch. Fantastic. Here's your corpse watch for, uh, what's it, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Zooming things that's better left alone. I'm resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. Yet tonight I'm sitting alone digging up bones. By the way, just before we do this, I wondered why it was a little warm in here. The thermostat is actually set on 82 degrees. 82. 82 degrees. I wonder why I was feeling a little uh, a little flushed. Yeah, it's 82 degrees on that thermostat. Thanks so much, whoever did that. All right. An Ohio county has agreed to pay $8 million to settle a lawsuit over photos taken with posed bodies in the morgue. Hamilton County will pay the money for 523 families during this two-year period and formally apologizing to them for making offensive photos and copies, which they have destroyed. What, what, sure they have. You know that every any time somebody did, do you ever believe that when somebody says they have destroyed the last existing, you know, no. the existing copy or the original copy or whatever? No, you always know there's a copy in a vault somewhere. And how would such an apology possibly be worded? The settlement includes a Greek counseling and a memorial. The body, the uh, bodies were posed with fruit, dollhouse furniture, and other props. Oh, creepy. Oh, oh, sorry, by the way, that we posed your dead, uh, that we posed your dead brother with some dollhouse stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, how would you like to be the PR person who gets that as their first date's assignment? Look, uh, well, first of all, you got to uh, do this thing for uh, Hermiston Watermelons, and uh, here's a thing for the state fair. Also, a guy was posing a bunch of bodies on a horse, uh, so you'll want uh, to write to the uh, family about that. And then uh, here's a thing for a muffler place. And it'll open at OMSI next. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's just weird, man. All right. Uh, the photographer Thomas Condon said he took part in this to illustrate the cycle of life from birth through death. It was convicted of eight counts of gross abuse of a corpse for taking the pictures. His two-and-a-half-year sentence was reduced to 18 months on appeal. And that's that. Uh, corpse watch. Oh, I'm sorry. There's your corpse yeah. watch for us. Uh... 
didn't know there was some wacky twist at the end. I guess the wacky twist is that they did. They were dead, and then a guy propped them up all over the office and took zany photos of them. What a depressing way to end your existence. says, Rick, if I had 35 minutes to live, I would immediately call Sally May, my student loan people, and taunt them with the fact that they would not, after all, get my money. F Matt with Sally May, says, uh, says John. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the president uh, says he still supports the embattled Iraqi president, Nori al-Malaki. Uh, speaking to veterans in Kansas City and seeking to quash speculation he is distancing himself from Malaki, uh, Bush called the Iraqi leader a very decent fellow. Prime Minister Maliki is a good guy, good man with a difficult job, and I support him. And it's not up to the politicians in Washington, D.C. to say whether he will remain in his position. That is up to the Iraqi people who now live in a democracy and not a dictatorship. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to have some glib witticism here, but really sometimes just a mirthful snicker is all I can come up with. But he still takes his comments seriously. Yes, he, he really does. It's one of those things where he... He clearly lives on a different plane of existence uh, than everybody else does. The Dick you know Cheney I mean? planet. Yes, <laughs> seriously. It's a, it's a planet C, um, where everybody else around him is sort of, you know what it is? It's that the glorious Iraq is sort of his Harvey the Invisible Rabbit. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he clearly looks at Iraq through some bizarre sort of... Uh, Moving invisible troops around his bunker. <laughs> you, you know... I will guarantee you this. I was just thinking about it. You know, I'll guarantee you what he's got. He has got one of those things. Lead soldiers from China. <laughs> that he stores inside his mouth. Um, no, he's got one of those things that he saw in a war movie one time. Uh, where it's like the guy with the little... What is that thing? Like the thing that the stick man has that he rakes the money in at the craps table, but he uses it to push little plastic soldiers around a glass top table. Mm -hmm. I'll guarantee you he has one of those because he saw it like in Dr. Strangelove or something and decided, I want you to get me one of those little things where I can push army guys around on top of a table and then uh, get, get me get me one of those things that blinks and beeps on the screen and shows incoming missiles. I'll guarantee you he has that set up in the basement and that he he frequently consults it before issuing these orders on Iraq. And to make things even more bizarre. He is now comparing Iraq to Vietnam. Yes. He says America's withdrawal from Vietnam in the 1970s produced tragic consequences for millions of innocent citizens. And like in Vietnam, if we were to withdraw before the job was done, this enemy would follow us home. And that is why, for the security of the United States of America, we must defeat them overseas so we do, do not face them in the United States of America. Yes, that didn't necessarily happen because uh, most just, of South Vietnam I, moved to Orange County. I was just going to say, really, is it true? Did all the Viet Cong follow us back to America? Did I blink and miss something? Okay. Yes, because I can't walk down the street in Portland without running into the Viet Cong. They're every, They're omnipresent. Jesus. Look what happened in Vietnam, says the president. The price of America's withdrawal was paid by millions of innocent citizens whose agonies would add to our vocabulary new terms like boat people, re-education camps, and killing fields.
No, the boat people came here. Yeah, I, I don't think he understands. Someone has merged a few of his speeches together, mm-hmm. and I don't think he... I think he's just skipping from one to the other. I think they need to give him different colors of paper or something, or they need to highlight the text with various pens and markers so that he doesn't uh, just sort of speak in some sort of weird... Uh, some sort of weird speechified stew. All right. He says he supports the uh, Iraqi Prime Minister Al Malaki. Prime Minister Maliki's a good guy, good man. Yeah. With a difficult job, and I support him. And it's not I'm up sure to politicians that. in Washington, D.C. to say whether he will remain in his position. That is up to the Iraqi people who now live in a democracy and not a dictatorship. Can you say that twice? <laughs> I think so. I think we've looped around to the beginning in some sort of a groundhog speech. All right. Well, what's uh, Brad Pitt up to, you ask? I, well, he's in uh, New know. Orleans constructing environmentally friendly and affordable housing and for the poor people there. We knew we couldn't bring back the, the, the families and friends that were lost, bring back the heirlooms, the pictures. But maybe, in the process of rebuilding, we could build something smarter. And we could create a better what, way of life. What's happening in the background there? there? I think this is from Radio Moscow. There's some, some sort of a weird uh, demonic subtext happening. Well, apparently anything to get away from his wife. Are they having some weird... Uh, is there a problem with Brad, Brad and Angelina? No, Not I don't. to my knowledge. Really? There was something on the cover of People magazine. Oh, they're Therefore, always completely reliable. Well, it said that she'd become all stick thin, that he'd gone nuts. That I'm paraphrasing. That wasn't the actual journalistic. <laughs> that wasn't the actual journalistic lingo they were using. Um, well, anyway, blah 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 blah. Uh, New Orleans is a man-made disaster, and he's come up with a man-made solution. We got to push to get these levees taken care of in a, in a correct fashion, that we open up the, the engineering mistakes of the past that allow sediment back into the area, and we get we get these wetlands taken care of. Why is Brad Pitt talking about levees again? I, I fall well, into some other... It's in New Orleans. I, I guess. I, well, he's rebuilding New Orleans. Everyone else abandoned it. Sounds like a bad onion story. Brad Pitt to build New Orleans levees all by himself. This is Doyle Levin reporting. It just doesn't... All right. Well, okay. Uh, let's see. This email says, support Bono's Sarah. nowhere to be you found. You dick. No it's, no, it's true. It bought, I haven't heard from that guy in weeks. It's been weeks since he's been in front of a camera shilling for something or somebody. What's uh, wrong with that humanitarian? Uh, this email says, support Sarah, you dick. If you can't support... <laughs> Love this audience. And how many of your movies have you dragged me to? I mean, I, that I've gone to. I'm sorry? I've, go, I've gone to support you for every little side project that you've ever that is, done. No, that is really true. Uh, what, I, when have I not supported you? I was, Last year I was in Fox Los Derby. Angeles. I couldn't. Well, if it had been on television, I would have watched. You were supposed to come to Kiki's birthday last week. You that's didn't go to that. Nice. That's I never pledged that I would have. That I would again. That's not supporting you anyway. That's supporting your hot friend Kiki. You have it's not made, the same thing. You have made every one of my birthday parties. I have made your... I've, and stood there awkwardly in the corner and made me regret inviting you. I've... Yes it's, yes, it's amazing I don't go to more social gatherings of yours. Rig, if you can't support the retarded, you can at least show up and support Sarah and the other drunkards streaking downhill in homemade plywood death machines. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Plus, if Sarah gets in a terrible wreck, you'll kick yourself for not having been there to witness it. That really is true. Because that way, because the coming Monday, uh, you know, come Monday when Kristen Bowie's sitting in that seat, and I'm going to go... As the Rick Emerson show says goodbye to Sarah, or is I'd totally be a Darwin watch with clinging it? feebly to life somewhere in a, in a hospital bed. You yes. start, stop trying to freak me out. Now I'm starting to remember how fast I was actually going down the hill. I'm not there. the one who said homemade plywood death machine, by the way. That was this emailer. So it's uh, held together by screws. <laughs> screws and glue. <laughs> we did have to glue our window. Oh no. Uh huh. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I'm sure it'll be fine. 
All right. It's not like wood is a product that easily splinters if you were to roll, for example, going it's down. It's painted a really pretty color. Yeah, I'm sure that paint will do wonders for your bloodstream. Is it lead paint by chance? Probably. Where'd you buy that from paint from? In China. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Here's Tim Riley. The South Carolina Department of Corrections is asking a judge to dismiss a lawsuit filed by, uh, by an inmate who claimed the agency is placing prisoners in danger by forcing them to wear pink jumpsuits. A spokesman for the prison, uh, Josh Gelinas, says Director John Olmet developed the policy, which extends to both males and females, to deter inmates from gratifying themselves in public. We wanted to put them in a jumpsuit that just distinguished them from other inmates, so it was clear that they had violated our policy. Apparently, uh, one inmate specified in court documents he felt the pink jumpsuit would make him susceptible to a sexual assault. Uh, Jelina says the agency disagrees. There is no suggestion that wearing the jumpsuit is any indicator of homosexual activity or such. <laughs> pink jumpsuits do work. There's enough evidence that we're going to continue to do it. We believe that it's slowed down this type of behavior. Okay. Hey, you should put a camera on the front of your uh, soapbox derby car. A video Well, camera. I don't... Do you know anybody who wants to mount $600 on the front of our car and have us careen? Are you saying the car isn't safe? I think it's, well, it depends on if Dave did the brakes or not. <laughs> I like how you won't, you don't think anybody would actually put a small piece of electronic equipment in the front. You're actually putting your bodies in this car that you don't even trust enough to put a camera on the front of. Have you really thought this through? No worries. Not really. Here's Tim Riley. Well, comments made by presidential candidate Barack Obama during a campaign stop in Iowa have raised eyebrows. According to the Chicago Sun-Times, Michelle Obama stated she travels with her husband to, quote, model what it takes to have family values. And if you can't run your own house, you can't run the White House. Barack Obama, yes? I wonder who that could possibly be a dig at. Uh, Barack Obama says uh, Michelle was uh, bringing up the issue during the campaign. Michelle has mentioned family values throughout the campaign, as a matter of fact. If anybody who's been listening to uh, Michelle on the stump has talked about the importance of family and the need for uh, our family to make sure that we're thinking about our kids during the process of this campaign. This is very boring. <laughs> I wondered if we were all going to come to that, uh, that, uh, that assessment. Time to talk about Freedom Prize in, again, I in, think. Independently. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, the Democrats are backing up their stand on family values. Part of the challenge for us in this campaign is making sure that uh, we are talking the talk, but also walking the walk. Who is this? Barack Obama. That's not Barack Obama. Yeah, it is. The way it doesn't sound at all like him, it sounds like somebody He's else. He's become more of a family, family man. Voice okay. changes when, right. when you have a family. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Do a penis watch. All right, let's that'll wake me up. Let's do a uh, penis watch right here on uh, the Rick Emerson program on Wednesday. That Barack thing. Take just, a look it's like somebody else altogether. Yeah. Didn't even sound like him. Saying my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. Saying everything is going my way. I don't know where to start here. Two come from Britain. No, we can surprise. Well, how, here many, we go. how many of these do we have? I have two. All One right. from uh, Edinburgh. Double Where you're heading, so right. be careful. Uh, this is about a dwarf performer, performer at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival. Had to be rushed to the hospital after his penis got stuck in a vacuum cleaner. Ah. And an act that went horribly awry. Really? Uh, Daniel Blackner, or Captain Dan, the demon dwarf, was due to perform at the Circus of Horrors. Captain Dan, you ain't got no penis! 
The main part of the fact is starting to disappear on stage with a vacuum cleaner attached I'm to his sorry. penis. I'm sorry. Through a special attachment. <laughs> I like how his penis itself wasn't the special attachment somehow. Yeah. There's actually an even more special attachment for the vacuum cleaner. Well, the attachment broke just before the performance, oh. and of course the show had to go on. Of course. Uh, Blackner uh, tried to fix it uh, Apollo 13 style <laughs> with extra strong glue. Oh, let me put more glue on my penis. Only on. let it dry for 20 seconds instead of the 20 minutes required. <laughs> Anytime you have to fix something by shoving more glue onto your penis, your life is not like the lives of other people. He then joined it directly to his organ. The end result, <laughs> a solid attachment, laughter, mortification, and hospitalization. <laughs> it's the most embarrassing moment of my life, and I got wheeled uh, into a packed uh, operating room with a vacuum attached to my penis. <laughs> Yes, that would go without saying, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And that he's a dwarf, of course, is just icing on the proverbial penis cake. But the embarrassment was short-lived. Don't say penis cake. Sorry. <laughs> All right, that's half of the penis watch. That is. A Dateline Moscow. Oh, this is going to involve booze, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. It's from Moscow. It's a penis watch from Moscow. And I have an update. I will guarantee you this involves uh, the booze, probably vodka. A Russian woman set fire to her ex-husband's penis while he sat naked watching television and drinking vodka. <laughs> Excellent. It was, in his own words, burning like a torch. <laughs> My penis is burning like a torch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently, the man was sitting naked watching television in his apartment. He shared with his wife and then suddenly felt his crotch ablaze. He told the local newspaper it was... Monstrously uh, painful. How do you not notice that a woman is busy setting fire to your genitals? I mean, that's a thing that, like, that takes a little work. Like, you can't just lean down there with a zippo. Uh, Apparently, they were divorced three years ago, but continue to share a small flat. Something (laughs) come of Russia with property concert. Part of the economic recovery of the former Mm -hmm. Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. yes. It was uh, monstrously painful, the wounded husband uh, told the newspaper, burning like a torch. (laughs) What did I do to deserve this? I I don't really know. Did you say you have an update on this? Uh, let's see here. Uh, nope, I updated as I went along. All right, so there we go. So that's uh, that's the end of that. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting. Boy, howdy. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Good God Almighty. All right, we will uh, take a break here. We come back. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard will join us. Later on, uh, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. We will hear Scotty J's uh, demo uh, material that he's put together. Scotty is demoing this exciting new feature he believes ought is to be. Is he applying for a new job? <laughs> I, he's trying to upgrade his current position with the firm. Okay. So he's put together a demo version of this new feature he wants us to add. It's a big company. It's true. Scotty, there's, you know, we do promote from within, Scotty. You could be hosting the CBS Evening News before you know it. Or maybe uh, creating some uh, ill-fated reality show that gets everyone sued into oblivion. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Radio program 503 Hey, have you heard this this 
this booming system reminds me of something. Have you heard about the new White Stripes album, uh, Destroying Car Stereos? I would think that it was just a little bit of, uh, like, hack viral marketing, except that I actually heard about it from a listener. And a guy, he's a listener. Let's have to, I don't have to talk about it now. We'll talk to Lisa here in a second. Uh, and then we got this other stuff to get to. we got uh, Scotty's demo for his exciting new radio feature. Uh, later on, seeing a radio correspondent, Jim Roop. Uh, top five more of Tim Riley, etc. Remind me to bring up this uh, this White Stripes thing later okay. on, though, because it is kind of interesting. Let's welcome out to the Rick Emerson Show from the hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard. Why, hello there, and how are ye on this uh, fine Wednesday? Wow, how are ye? I am dandy. I'm fantastic. How's life? How are things? You know, d- dandy is, is big with you. Dandy is very, very big. Dandy's big, also fine. It's go-to. Also... It's go- the go-to uh, it's, emotion, I guess. It's, the de- it's, my, it's my default emotional. My, my emotional switch defaults to dandy. You know that phrase uh, right now uh, that uh, that I just said. My emotional switch defaults to dandy. Yeah. If I was just some, uh, if I was just some nitwit, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill mouth breather, that would be my email signature file. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's exact. That's totally what you would have. It's what some guy that you know who reads a lot of Douglas Adams would would put at his uh, as his email sig file would be that phrase right there. Do you do you know anyone who is in fact a dandy? Uh, you mean in terms of clothing and in terms of uh, the personal style and appearance? Yeah. I don't think I do. My favorite U.S. president, although he may not be my very favorite, he's inch- he's, he's he's storming the charts lately. Can I just say that it's great that you have a favorite uh, U.S. president? Uh, it's not Lincoln. It's not Lincoln. No, Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln is great. You know, don't. But I feel like it's, it's a very typical choice. Lincoln. It's too cliched of a choice. It is it's a like, little bit too cliched. It's like saying your favorite Beatles have Miss Sergeant Pepper. You gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go sideways a little bit and say like, uh, you know, like say Revolver, Rubber Soul, or something. Who is your? I, I, I think that's what I got. And I don't know if he's number one quite yet because I used to be. Uh, I've had a number of presidents that I have doted on, but and, and others I have. I All have right. not. So just but I, mean, I gotta guess now, and I don't know oh, okay. a whole lot about anything. So this is gonna be difficult. Your favorite you president and you would say he could be classed as a bit of a dandy yes all right would you could you uh, then give me another hint um he was oh boy uh he was an accidental president why, why am i thinking that gerald ford doesn't qualify as being a dandy <laughs> uh yeah i got nothing i got nothing chester a arthur see the fact that you even know enough about Chester A. Arthur to be able to class him as a favorite president is just fantastic and makes me feel mind-bogglingly stupid. It really does. Oh, no. It just, as Douglas Adams himself would say, it makes me feel daft as a brush. Please to explain in just a few brief sentences why Chester A. Arthur is your favorite president. Oh, he was fantastic. He, well, he, uh, first of all, because nobody knows anything about him, so that makes him a great candidate to start That's with. That's see, so you get hipster uh, points as well for picking a president that nobody. Exactly. It's like when somebody asks you about your favorite movie, and you, you know, you you quote some crap that nobody's ever heard of, you know, <laughs> right. and then suddenly everybody look, and it's like having an honorary beret and a clove cigarette on you. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly, exactly. Right. You know, and but but I think he, but he also backs it up because. He was a guy who went, first of all, he really was the definitive dandy. Like he wore these kind of outlandish, ridiculous sort of, uh, you know, types of clothing that were, he, he wore the very nicest things ever, which wasn't really the style in Washington at the time. But I, he was a great president because he went from being probably the prime example of part of a political machine, almost paid off uh, to do what he was told, to becoming president and then rejecting that machine against what everyone expected, completely turning things around. He went on to invent the modern civil service, 
uh, kind of administration the way our government works, and he also had a key role in immigration law, though he he may have had some prejudices there that are not that are certainly a blot on him. But he he really uh, reformed government so that it wasn't a bribery situation, which it really was becoming. Uh, when he took office, I think many people speculate that when he took over uh, from being vice president, you know, I, should, I need to stop. This is ridiculous. But when he took over, that he he was told that he was a very sick man, and that because of that, he said, you know what, screw it, guys. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm tired of this whole thing, and I'm president, by the way. So here's the deal. Can I just tell you this? This is how embarrassing my life is. That you're sitting going on and great, and I won't say it's not tedious at all, but I would say really mind-boggling detail about Chester A. Arthur's presidency and the background of same. Meanwhile, really, the only thing I know anything about is, like, bad bubblegum records from the 60s. You know, like, if you need to know the differences between the Ohio Express and the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. You know what I mean? So, all right, let me ask you this right now. Here's a question that now begs to be asked. Okay. And I won't make you do all seven, but I'll ask you to do, like, three. Uh, this is a Douglas Copeland question. Lisa Goddard, please now to name your three top dream Jeopardy categories. Go. Whoa, top dream uh, Russia would be one. Okay. Uh, hmm. Another one, well, that's tough. Maybe uh, I'm going to go, I'm just sticking with the geography. Virginia would probably be another, Virginia history, something okay. like that. Um, and then, uh, wow, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. i got to think of the third one. All right. Okay, fair enough. I will right. we'll do it by the end of this conversation, which, of course, could be impending, but I will come up with something. I do like the fact that you're sort of multitasking. Um, let's <laughs> talk about uh, former CIA Director George Tenet. Is this going to be like one of those Pearl Harbor things that we're going to hear about until the end of time? They're like, well, you know, they were, we had 15 opportunities to stop 9-11, and due, due to a messenger boy not relaying a telegram in time, we never knew that uh, when they say that, that we had all these chances to stop 9-11. I mean, what, how concrete are those chances? What are they talking about when they say that? Well, it's not clear. The, what we know from this report, what was interesting is that, I think what stood out to me anyway, is this idea that, or it said, 50 to 60 CIA operatives and staffers had information that about two of the uh, hijackers, they knew that they were dangerous for one reason or another, and they knew it well before September 11th. And so we're not talking about one or two people that saw a name. We're talking about 50 or 60 people that saw these names of people who eventually became hijackers. So who knows what would have happened if, if any one of those had really pushed that up the flagpole and said, listen, we've got to watch out for these two guys. If these names show up anywhere, you know, we've got to throw the gates down, turn the red lights on. We've got to stop these guys. But the issue is that no one really did push hard enough to watch those names. So if they had, would they have found them before 9-11? Who knows? Would they have stopped them at the airport gate? Potentially, would that have stopped 9-11 if two hijackers hadn't made it onto one plane? I don't know. It, it, it certainly was something that they missed that was a glaring problem. But is, we'll never know if it would have stopped 9-11. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that it's unimportant because obviously you could go back and examine the evidence of these things. But it is, it is in a sense, and I don't mean to diminish it, but it is a little bit of political navel-gazing because, mm -hmm. because there are so many variables. It is some sort of Rube Goldberg-esque contraption where there were so many things that went right for the hijackers and so many things that went wrong with security that, that, that there is no way to determine at what point the critical mass was reached. That's right. That's exactly right. How would you know? But I think what this report coming out today said was that the CIA 
was aware of all of these problems, and to some degree, CIA Director George Tenet did warn Congress and did put out a memo in, in 1998, for example, it's very often quoted, saying we are at war with terrorism, trying to raise the alert. But they're saying even though they, they were aware of it and they were doing some work on it, they didn't follow up. And that, that was the problem. It was almost as if they were waiting for Congress or the president to push them harder. And, and this report is really being critical of the CIA and saying, listen, it's your job to, to follow this up and to really push the rest of government when you see a threat like this. So, I don't know, this, George Tennant has responded and said that's not true, that we did have a plan, we, we did what we thought was right. And, and interestingly enough, uh, this report came out years ago, and it did recommend uh, internal investigations of Tennant and several other top deputies from that time but the two CIA directors that have followed him have both decided not to have those investigations. They've both said, no, we're not going to look at it. We feel like it's well-trod ground. We feel like it would just hurt things. Oh, and In fact, the, the only reason we're seeing this report is because Congress passed a law saying that it must be declassified. Well, is it, and, and at least it's not one of those things like with the JFK files or something where it's like, or we have Foreign Commission, right. sealed these until 2085, you know, and it, <laughs> so, uh, hey, just as a side note, is it true, and if so, could you just give it just a little thumbnail about that Hillary Clinton's White House files have been sealed by somebody or other until after the entire election is done? Is that true? I don't know that that's true. I'll have to look that up. I that's don't know. That's a thing that I heard bandied about by a prominent conservative uh, radio host, and I did not know whether that was true or, or just some crap that was made up. So. I don't know if that's true. That seems strange. I, I, there may be some things that apply to any announced presidential candidate, that I don't, but I, I don't know. That doesn't. I, I don't know anything about that. I'm not sure. Uh, you knew this was going to happen. I've got a couple of these, Rick. Uh, you should uh, mention to Lisa Goddard that Harry S. Truman, and I'm, I'm reading this now, all caps, that is ROCKS, R-A-W-K-S. <laughs> he is up there. He is definitely, oops, sorry, little alarm there. Yeah, he is definitely up there. And finally, Chester A. Arthur was referenced in Die Hard with a Vengeance and also created the New York City subway system. Oh, see, there we go. Oh, God, I love that guy. <laughs> all right. Have you okay, so I would also say I, there's cooler subjects I would put on Jeopardy, but the only things that come to mind right now is I would say uh, Broadway musicals, I hate to say. I, I was a geek, and no. I, I knew the Broadway musicals pretty well. There is, there's no shame in that, Lisa Goddard. I would, I would say that, and perhaps Victor Hugo novels, which I also, ah. at that same period of time, was really into. Excellent. Uh, fantastic. There, I, have no, I have no better way to end this conversation. That's, <laughs> we, we've peaked right there. Damn. All right. Enjoy your day. Have a fantastic. Thank you for the dandy callback, and uh, we will speak to you in the near future. Thank you, Lisa. Be great. All right. There you go. Excellent. Well done. Wonderful. You know, can I just say this? That you love her? No, I wasn't going to say that at all. Well, that's a given. I, I have a uh, warm, brotherly affection uh, for Lisa Goddard. I was going to say this, though. Um, both, be, I mean, it would make us all awkward, I think her especially, and so I don't do it. But really, I mean, I'm not going to say you have no idea because you probably do have an idea. But really, the the amount of really salacious email that I get about her every day from guys in the audience, guys who don't mean to be sort of um, sleazy about it, or maybe they do, but I mean, every day during the eight or nine minutes that she's on, just the love mail, I mean, just these full-on, like, screaming mash notes just pour in for her. It really is kind of, I think, for the best that she doesn't have, like, a, a commonly known publicly available email address, because I can't even imagine what kind of what kind of observation she would be getting from the audience. Really, it would just be unnerving. Uh, let's see. What are we doing here? Well, let's get this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. 
Hey, Rick. Uh, this is Frank. I'm uh, currently about 180 miles south of uh, south of San Francisco, and I, uh-huh. I kind of as a side note, I, I heard a James Roop uh, report on CNN uh, local radio, and I've also heard Lisa, uh, Lisa Goddard. Really? Uh, as did, I travel, did they sound? You know, these, they sound just so different. That than, was going to be my question: Is did what did they sound substantially different than they do when they're on our program? Absolutely. Now, you know, the sleazy thing you're talking about, Lisa here. Uh, yeah, she uh, she sounds really hot in her in her uh, formal uh, CNN role. And, and of course, Rupert just sounds, uh, you know, like uh, some kind of a, a real serious anchor kind of dude, you know, who's in a little box somewhere. He can, uh, you know, he can put, yeah, he can put that on. Rupert can totally put on the outfit of like serious, uh, you know, anchor man who's delivering the hard news as it needs to be said. Absolutely, and and it's just uh, anyhow, it, it's a real different side of them. It'd be really fun, maybe sometime to just do a, a bit where you know you play a little bit of that and, and kind of get the reaction. I've actually uh, been, I've tried to do that actually to get sort of air checks of other radio stations where the CNN anchors have done bits and just to see how different they are. It's one of those things I've never bothered to buckle down and do, but we'll do that one of these days. Sounds great. And then a quick shout-out to my lovely bride, uh, Sarah, back uh, home in Portland as I'm driving there. And uh, thanks to you guys for uh, a great show again. All right. Travel safe, sir. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. That's Frank on his way back from San Francisco, apparently. All right. Why, hello. Hello. You have that look on your face like you're about to say something. No. Well, you you freaked me out about the soapbox derby announcement. No, I'm not trying to freak you out. I mean, no, no I mean, because you're right. We really nobody's ever died. I mean, there's no one. No I one's... saw my friend fly off a 30-foot cliff and have his, ah, you know the Muddy River Nightmare got the band guys. Yeah, and their vests. Yeah. Seeing him get his vest cut off of him. I'm surprised he let them do that. I'm surprised he didn't, like, with his dying grip, no, leave the vest. I believe, he, I think he was unconscious. Oh. Does he, is he all gnarled up? Does he have a scar? Is he the guy missing his skin? No, that's a different guy. Who's the guy missing his skin? Um, I don't remember what Jimmy was on. It was the scariest thing, though. My friend was talking to him, and he said that the only thing going through his mind was, keep your head up or you die, keep your head up or you die. Because as his body was dragging, he was just, like, trying to hold his head. He was literally wedged. Now, are there photos of that? Isn't there a photo of him being caught underneath the car as it drags him along? Yeah, because they finally got him off of, it was probably about 30, 40 feet. And he was on the road, and then they finally veered off into the grass. But yeah, don't worry about that. Whatever, don't don't let that. Are you break is a big piece of wood. Take, take some take <laughs> some, break written on within Xanax as you get ready to do this. Now we're talking about the soapbox derby, which is coming up on Sunday. So I know you don't want to give away your car's design. Can I ask, is it um, an open cab or a closed cab? In other the words, the back of it is closed. The front of it is open. In other words, let's say you hit something real solid with your car. You're zooming down the hill, bam! You hit it. Are you going to go flying out, or is hopefully you just, gonna... just fly into the windshield? Because we have huge helmets. Best case scenario yeah. that we'll be wearing. So I mean, are wearing your bike scenario, helmet? No, I'm wearing a um, like a motorcycle helmet. Okay, all right. So it covers your whole face. All right. So um, worst case scenario, I hope I my head just goes into the windshield. What was what is the windshield? Is it plexiglass? It's plexiglass. Is that uh? And it's, it's mounted. We have it. Um, it's screwed in in a bunch of different areas. Is plexiglass more or less durable than regular glass? Do you suppose? You know, I'm assuming more durable. Well, it probably wouldn't maim you the way that regular glass would. Yeah, because, I mean, we have it and it cracks and, you know, when it breaks, it's sharp, but it's definitely not as sharp as glass. All right. I wonder if it would break. I wonder if the plexiglass would keep you within the car or if it would just snap and you would go right through it onto the road where you would then be run over by your own car. That seems like a sort of a... Oh, and that's a heavy car, too. Yeah. Yeah, or that you get a full-on, you get gorgered. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, hello. How's it going? Uh, it's going fine for me. I'm going to live a long, healthy life. What's up? 
Good, good, me too. Hey, I was actually wondering about the uh, soapbox derby you're talking about. Yes. Uh, you guys still need a pusher? I'm an expert in the pushing of soapbox derby cars. Are you a hefty man, sir? I'm a hefty 240, 6'2". Now, does everybody get one pusher, Sarah? Yeah, you get a pusher. Um, ours, I have two pushers. Squid was our pusher for the past year. Yeah, that's our friend Squid at Intercom. But he is going to be out of town, and then Tuggy was going to do it, but he's going to be out of town, too. Oh, those are two right big on, guys, too. I'll be here. Hey, also, you guys were wondering about how fast you guys go. Me and a bunch of uh, friends, we go down that hill, and we've been clocked at 35 miles an hour, so you do pick up speed pretty quick. Uh, see, I actually, that actually Except for around me. that last bend as you're going to the finish line. Oh, that bend, is, that bend is ridiculous. That's, it's more than a bend. It's it's like a complete U-turn. They, I mean, it is. They call, it, it really. uh, they call that bend the Widowmaker, Sarah. Shut oh, yeah. up, Rick. <laughs> I, that actually surprises me, though, that I would think it would be more than 35 miles an hour. I guess that's still a lot, though. I mean, I guess that's like more than you can in go a in a school box zone. you've built in your uh, backyard. In a badly designed <laughs> box of plywood and death. Well, yeah. when you're that close to the ground, Rick, I mean, 35 miles an hour, it seems like you're going 50 practically. That's true. It is It is interesting. The lower to the ground you are, the faster, the, the more velocity you do seem to have. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting point. All right. Drop Sarah an email, and I guess if they need a pusher, they might be in touch, sir. Right on. All right. Thank you. Yeah. If you're, are, you, right. are you planning on going? Yeah, I'll be there. All right, well, yeah, come right. find me. All right, All right so Sarah at 970.am. Because uh, yeah, we've always just found our pusher the day of, too. So. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey, Sarah, are you guys using uh, bicycle wheels on your derby car? No, we have tractor wheels. Okay. What? Uh, do you have a solid axle on the back? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, because we have the braking system attached to the back tires. Wait, uh, let's back up for a second. What do you okay. mean tractor wheels? We, we have wheels. We have tractor wheels. I don't know what that means. Oh, the front, the little, the little wheels on the front. Okay, yeah. I was thinking like the big. I'm like, what? And we have the little wheels the on the front, and then bigger. I, I don't know exactly what kind of wheels they are on the back, but I believe they're like bigger tractor wheels. All right, okay. Because you know, I, I made a soapbox derby car in the past, and we used regular bicycle wheels, you know, like off a of 10 speed, and you get actually more speed out of those because they have really nice bearings in them. But we also cheated and used the disc brake system off the bike. Is that cheating? Are you not allowed to do that? I think you might be able to. I mean, if you're clever enough to be able to do that. I'm... Well, when you use when you use like the front wheel from a bicycle for for your wheels, yeah. Put a stub axle on, and the disc brake is already there. All you have to do is run a cable to your steering controls. And you um... Yeah, I think I think Sarah and her team are just using a big piece of wood they jam against that's the inside of the That's our e-brake. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... That, that, that's a that's a death trap way to have it. <laughs> These calls all end the same way. Yes. The reason we can't use plexiglass on our race cars, we have to use Lexan, is because when it breaks, it shards in long strips that are really, really sharp. <laughs> Would you say one of those strips is long enough to actually go all the way through your rib cage and out the back? Uh, yeah, I see. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. I see windshields on race cars when they cheated and uses plexiglass, and a rock hits it and shards of plexiglass goes into their body. Well, I'm sure there are no rocks on Mount Tabor. No. All right. Thank you. Good luck. Bye now. Thanks. All right. It's okay. It's only a, it's only an active volcano. I guess it's not active. I guess it's dormant. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up? Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, I was just wondering. I heard you talking about the Bronx is burning a few uh, few weeks back. And yes. I'm wondering if you caught up on it yet. Uh, I finished the book, and then... Uh, how? Because it's an eight-part series, right, on ESPN? Yeah, how, it's really cool, man. How it's far not, into it are they? I would say there's a few more episodes, I would guess. But it's really cool because uh, the whole soundtrack is nothing but Ramones. Excellent. And, and um, it's like 
like most of the footage is actually from 1977. I, like, uh, I all like the live broadcast and all the sports footage and everything is from 1977. It's really cool. Yeah, because ESPN has access because so so much of that book is about the, the the Yankees and Steinbrenner and Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson. And I saw some of the commercials and it was very clearly vintage. You know, it was period footage uh, that they were using. It was sort of blended in with newly shot footage. So I was waiting till I finished the book. Um, I wonder if they're going to be showing it again from well, the beginning, or... Well, the thing is, it's on every Tuesday night, and, like, before the new episode, they play, like, the past few, but I'm, I'm really? sure they'll they'll let you catch up, but you can't see it on demand or anything. Oh, really? So I'll do that, or, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, downloadable really or something. You check it out, man. It's really cool. Like, there's not... Every single uh, soundtrack bite is from the, the Ramones, and, like, it's just the way they do it, and... But the way they put the songs in and everything is just awesome. Excellent. And it has John Turturro, who's, uh, you know, yeah, he's yeah. one of my favorite actors. So. And anyways, I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. I love your show. Excellent. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. You call us anytime. All right. All right, there you go. That's uh, Ryan about the Bronx is Burning by Jonathan Muller, which is a great book I read on the advice of Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, where is Steve these days? Is he on vacation or something? It's been that month Steve Kastenbaum? Steve Kastenbaum. He's been gone. Oh, oh, he was just temp. Wasn't he just part-time? I No, I think he's the new guy. I thought he was the new guy because they Maybe brought him over. Maybe spending a little time in the Hamptons. Oh, I thought you were going to say spending more time with his family. I uh, They brought him over from 1010 Winds. Uh, I think. I thought he was the well, maybe he's... Yeah, because they had an announcement about it. Yeah, well, maybe he's just... Maybe he's vacationing or something. Uh, we should take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner uh, at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, we'll do the uh, top five. We'll hear the exciting uh, demo version of Scotty J's new project. Uh, what the hell else are we doing? Some, oh, Jim Roop is coming up later on as well. All right, it's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Back after this. side bet off the air about that. All right. I bet there's uh, there's good odds going in the counseling category. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Awkward. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Who could be so cruel? The neighbor of a blind elderly woman has been charged with stealing her gold coin. 44-year-old James Murphy has been arrested after officers found four of those stolen gold coins inside his home. He also stole prescription medication and jewelry from the 89-year-old woman who reported $20,000 worth of gold coins have been stolen last Tuesday. The jury has been recovered, but police are still working to recover 123 other gold coins. They're described as pre-1933 collectible European gold coins. This guy lives right next door to the blind lady, and police identified him as a suspect on the same day the theft was reported. Let's beat him senseless. The blind lady said he was good to me. <laughs> when he wasn't stealing my possessions. He watched the dog and was always nice, always checking on me. Uh-huh. So when it happened, I just couldn't believe it. He's in Washington County Jail. 
Well, let's think about snacks, shall we? That's a popular American uh, subject. Yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of snacks, you know what's gone? Those what? mystery flavor Doritos. They're gone. They don't sell them anymore. They weren't very good. No, they weren't very good. But they uh, contain lead. <laughs> That's Tim That's Riley who said that. So good. <laughs> Leados. Um, the uh, but when I went to Jan uh, Aaron's wife's birthday party, we had the big geek bar- birthday party on Saturday. Do they have parties every weekend? They do. They're, they you seem to be there every week. They are a couple. They entertain. They entertain a lot. And uh, my wife is like, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that you know me. Left to my own devices, I'm very Tim-like. I just don't I leave mean, the that, home. That's more than I go out in like five years. It really and... is true. Uh, we have spent. An, I'm, again, it's not like I'm saying it's a negative. I'm just saying we really have spent. It really, it's just like a disproportionate amount of time with Aaron and Jen. Like, because there's been a whole lot of things. Like there was the Richard Cheese thing, mm-hmm. and there was Jen's birthday party, and then uh, I don't even want to mention the other thing. The other thing is my wife. My wife is going through this phase uh, where she's learning to play Magic the Gathering. (laughs) I know. I Don't look at me. I, Sarah, look, I know what you're going to say. I'm not going to say it. You don't need to say anything. Who am I to dictate my wife's extracurricular activities? Really? I am. It is not 1950. I am not allowed to order my wife around and tell her what to do. I mean, I could try. It just wouldn't work. So anyway, so she go, so she goes over and gets all uh, gets all liquored up. He's magic the gathering with Aaron's wife. Anyway, um, so we're at the geek party on Saturday, and there was just like this massive table of liquor. And then just a massive table of snack food. And this conversation started because there were some like weird flavored Doritos or like habanero or something. And somebody was like, well, we, we never did try that meat flavored Dorito. And I said, well, hey, you know, they, they, you know, they only sell it at that one. Because the only place I ever saw it for sale, I mean, some people drop some off. But the only place I ever saw for sale was at that Safeway on 39th and Powell. And I'm like, well, you know, they sell it at 39th and Powell. And then suddenly I, was just, I heard myself volunteering to go to the store and get it. So I actually left the party, drove to Safeway. Because, you know, nothing says happy birthday like a bag of meat-flavored chips. So I went to the store. It was actually gone. And the guy at Safeway told me that they have uh, they have ceased marketing that. So I don't know whether they're going to launch it as an actual regular flavor uh, or whether it was just meant to be an attention-getting thing all along. So it's all very interesting. All right. Let's talk snacks, Tim. Uh, Terry Glassman is an expert on snacks. And she says that as long as uh, you snack on healthy foods... Uh, those who snack do feel better. You never get too hungry and you never get too full. And you also eat throughout the day nutrient-dense foods. That means foods that are high in lean protein, healthy fat, and uh, high in fiber. Snacking has important health benefits. You can actually c- control your blood sugar levels, which we know is good for in terms of even fighting diabetes, type 2 diabetes. But also, snackers have been shown to have lower LDL, that's your bad cholesterol. They prevent heart attacks. I don't even, can I just tell you this? Here's why this is a pointless story. No American, no American anywhere, uh, unless you are in the employee of the FDA, knows the difference between good fat and bad fat. No one. Scotty, what's the difference between good fat and bad fat? Don't know. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I, I the was voice shocked of the common man. I was shocked over the weekend because I spoil myself every Saturday by uh, getting one of those smoothies, and I found out that the size I order has more calories in the big gulp. No, it's it's true. The things that you don't, you know, uh, now uh, can juice I, drink. Was this from a chain? Yes. Uh, okay, so we will not identify the chain, but is, is it from a place we would all recognize? You might not go to it. I might not, but it was a it's, place. That, it's a place that we would know. Yes. It's a, in other words, it's not like you know, some like Barbara's smoothie stand no. outside of like a whatever. It is a nationally known smoothie. And, and oh she, yeah, they, the one that maybe has the book that shows the mm-hmm. calorie contents yeah. out. Yeah, that's surprising. It's shocking. There mm-hmm. is stuff like that 
Uh, well, I've talked about that Starbucks coffee cake, which I was eating. Not a lot, but I mean, because you know, I, I don't go to Starbucks that often. I really only go there if there's no other coffee place around, uh, if I'm not near my home. But uh, but if I would go to Starbucks, I would get that coffee that coffee cake, and it was like 680 calories. I mean, it's like a small, and I'm not talking about the cake. I mean, a piece of coffee cake was 600 and some calories. It was unbelievable. And I'm not the guy that like watches my caloric intake as such, but I mean, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm not just bloating myself up like I'm a ham coming up on Christmas. So there's that. Here's the other thing. And this, of course, will come as a surprise to nobody in this room. You know what is just absolutely packed with calories are those Frappuccino things. Mm -hmm. I remember for a while uh, when I was, this is years ago, but when I when those first came out, I would actually drink those because um, if I was kind of, and this is actually before, you know, Viso has actually helped a lot because it's, you know, like that wheel is calorie free, but it has a lot of caffeine. If I was at the end of the day and I was kind of burned out on coffee but still wanted some caffeine, I would drink a Frappuccino and damn, man, there's hundreds and, and they're tiny. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically like doing a shot that's about 450 calories. So how many, do you know how many calories are in one of those smoothies? Like 600 something. Jesus. Yeah. That's fast. So, so here I, I mean, this is around stores that give the appearance that, it's squeaky clean, healthy, yeah. good eating. No, and there's drinking. all kinds. And you of can have a Crunchwrap Supreme for that many calories. I know. Oh, sad. I just immediately Saturday. knew that, that that was just on the. No, that's why I had to stop eating them because I, I finally looked up the how many calories were in them. Hmm. Well, you think things are good for you in the suburbs, but it isn't necessarily. No, and there's all kinds of those things that they foist off into you, and you think that they're going to be healthy for you. Uh, that's like the, I won't mention his name, but the friend of ours who. I saw consuming an entire bag of candy corn one day. I mean, literally like a full-on quarter-pound bag of candy corn. Mm -hmm. And you all know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, so-and-so, maybe you shouldn't be eating a quarter-pound bag of candy corn. And he replied without missing a beat, they're fret-free. <laughs> just like, there was no way to deal with that ironclad argument, so I just sort of moved on. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, the apparent peep show put on by singing star Beyonce gave fans in Toronto this week quite the show. Apparently, it wasn't as bad as it appeared. A rep for the singer, who's paid a lie, said the so-called wardrobe malfunction wasn't flashing because Beyonce was wearing a flesh-toned bra. Do you think she'd go on stage like that? After all, her mom is the quality control officer on the tour to make sure her daughter doesn't expose anything she shouldn't. Her mom, Rachel Schwartz. I'm because sorry. apparently that's a problem. An inside joke there. Um, Rick, meat-flavored Doritos are gone, but taco-flavored are back. They're, I don't know when this happened, but there are like a hundred different flavors of Doritos. That's the other thing we noticed at the party. Somebody had just done like they were one, all there. One-stop shopping. Well, that was <laughs> all the Doritos are invited. Like the entire snack budget had just gone toward like a huge pile of Doritos and then like some spinach dip, and then the rest all went to booze. They now sell these. Have you seen these? Here's the other Doritos they sell. They now sell Doritos that are actually a mixture of flavors. It's sort of like, it's not done like nerds where it's sort of segmented down the middle, but it is two flavors mixed together in a bag. Like gooseberry and barbecue sauce? Exactly, Tim. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Rick, uh, taco flavored are back. They're in a double flavor pack. Taco and Chipotle Ranch. Chipotle Ranch. We really do live in a strange time where there's just all kinds of weird, bizarre flavors. I, I swear to God, they've just got some some just demented child just throwing darts at a board somewhere to come up with the flavors for things. All right. Hmm. Let's see here. I'm almost done. Please hang on for two more seconds. Okay, I'm ready. Let's talk to the uh, pit bull bite lady. The Washington State woman mauled by the two pit bulls after they entered her home through an open door. While she went back to bed for some reason, 
Uh, she's badly bruised with cuts and bruises and stitches. There's dried blood on her face. Hands and arms. Charming. She's wrapped in bandages. Uh, Sue Ann, we'll only use her first name, uh, describes the attack. I got scared that they were, you know, if they got a hole in my throat, they'd jump in my face and tear in my, you know, trying to chew off my nose and stuff like that. Jesus Christ. Okay, that's freaky. So her mouth and nose might be gone, so yeah, you shouldn't it, make fun of the way she talks. No, no, I'm not. I'm just her saying, whole head might be gone. I'm, okay, I'm not making fun of the way she talks. I'm just saying... I didn't really expect it to be that creepy. That sort of left well, out of the... Oh, two uh, more. Oh, great. Fantastic. Uh, so, and the pit bull lady said they went after two dogs in her home. By the time I, they pulled Romeo out of the closet, the dogs pulled Romeo out of the closet and started ripping him off again, I knew it was all over for Romeo. Oh, jeez. All over for Romeo. Uh, the pit bulls uh, came after a dog sleeping with her. And she was, you know... Um, barking or jumping at my arms and, and yes. tearing pit my arms are, and jumping at my face. Pit bulls are a misunderstood species, Tim. They're, yeah, it's, it's the owners. It's really the interesting. Owner. They're, 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 they're mistreated they're, by the owners. They're charming animals. They're just like a collie. Yes. <laughs> Buy one for your baby today, won't you? All right. Uh, now I'm getting people uh, sending me pictures of plywood injuries. This says, I hope the best for Sarah. I saw this picture of a boxcar mishap, and apparently it happens often. Apparently, plywood splinters into sharp pieces and often ends up in your eyes and ligaments. I'll forward this along to you, Sarah. It's in full color. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's, it's what we do. Uh, okay. Should we, uh, let's see. What are we, uh, let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show our good friend, the decrepit PA of the Rick Emerson Show, Scotty J. Can I kiss you on the mouth? Please let me... Good morning, Metolius. That's me. I had to turn. It all balances out on the air, but I had to turn down over here. Hello, Scotty. How are you doing? Well, Jiminy Cricket. Is this going to be the exciting catchphrase to your new segment? <laughs> Please, no. Scotty no. J's Jiminy Cricket. All right. Um, okay, Scotty. Yes. So first of all, thanks on the Dick Van Patten thing. That did work out very well. Well done. I told you. Who are you working on next? Don't say Scott Bayo. Uh, by the way, I we could have talked to him on Friday, but again, you just, three hours behind when the show starts, so forget about it. We, yeah, I don't. We, do, we, we don't play that game. I don't. Do, yes, we're done now. I don't do. Uh, I don't do pre-recorded interviews typically nope, unless we, there's just absolutely no other. Or Scott Bates. No, I just no. flat out tell him we don't do that. We are a live show. Our guests. Need this to, isn't Larry they need King. To yeah, it is like Larry King, but we don't record not like gonna, he does. I'm not going to record. I'm not going to pre-record something and pretend that it's live, Scotty. That exactly. for lesser radio stations and That's lesser what I'm hosts. I'm letting them know now. I'm letting That's them know right. the Rick Emerson show is is. And you're all live, live here. Look, some music station with liners. Something what big to be reckoned with. I don't know what with. station you're talking about, Tim. Well, they're not in this building. Oh yeah, right. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, so, uh, Scotty J., so yesterday you were here and you had pitched us this exciting new idea for a, a, uh, a segment on the Rick Emerson Show. What is the name of the bit? It's the Scotty J. Music Note of the Day. Uh-huh. Now, whether or not it's going to be once a week, once a day, once a year, or not at all. or Yes, or once <laughs> and then never again. That's all just like the, the pilot. You know, so this is the pilot, pilot episode. That's what I should have asked Dick Van Patten today. I should have asked him. 
he was kind of, you know, a little hazy on some of the memory, but I mean, the guy's been active for like 60 years. I should have asked him if he had done pilots that were never picked up, and what was the most, what was the best pilot he ever did that never went anywhere? That would actually be interesting to know about now, these various different Go people. back in time and ask him that, because uh, many, many people, Tim Riley, have done pilots. <laughs> yes, I'm well aware. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, I'm just, you've mentioned that. Well, Clyde's the same way. Clyde's done like a hundred different pilots that went nowhere. That's so. why I want to be the guy, and I thought of this, and this is my idea, so nobody steal it. Of course, it'll cost you a lot of money anyways. Yeah. I want to start... No, this is the no deal. There's somewhere less, somewhere less moon vests in a room going, I need to steal this idea from Scotty J. I had this... Uh, like your Philo Farnsworth I think or something. two years ago I had this idea, okay? Uh-huh. The pilot channel. Now, most people are going to think that it's about airplanes and pilots and whatnot. This is literally the pilot channel where, you know, one or two episodes came out and none of it ever... You know, they, that you know, they, entirely frustrating. You know, you know, they have that on them. You know, they have that on the trio channel. What do you mean? Right? They, they have that. Where they just show... Shows that never lasted more than an episode or two. Is that just a feature, or is the show just pure pilot all the time? Pilot. Yes, that's what they do. Really? Yeah. They They stole it out of your head. Yeah, they did. It's been around for five five years. Oh. All right. What is this this exciting uh, segment that you've put together? You know, I really don't know. We're going to see it develop over time, or... or, It's it's done. It's recorded in front of me. It oh, seems it, illogical that you wouldn't know what it is since it's it, done and, and sitting right here. It's the Scotty J Music Note Pilot, and I must add, I'm not making excuses. The Music <laughs> Note Pilot. Yeah. All now, right. I'm not making excuses, but this was done at, at home, and so it's not... It sounds know, like you are making it's excuses, It's not of the utmost broadcast uh, quality, and, you know, I need to grow into the role a little bit, so, you know. Would you say that what we're about to hear is... Uh, first of all, how long is this thing we're about to play? It'll. T- I think, you know, as I sat down with with a group of people that that oh helped. Oh God! Did you this. focus group this? <laughs> it's How be many a- people <laughs> were involved in the making of what we're about to play? Mm, about a half a person. Is this kind of humor going to be evident throughout this never to be aired segment? No, actually, I think it's probably one of the first times in okay. my life who, that I've so tried who, to be. When you say group, what do you, uh, so what are you serious. talking about? When you, who, did you do this all yourself? Yeah. Okay. From home, and so you know the quality is so yeah. so. But has anybody else heard this? Uh, my wife, and of course, whether it's good or bad, she's going to say she's oh, legally obligated to say that great. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> never, never trust her opinion. The deal is, keeps him in the house. It's going to be. Uh, I think it's it, <laughs> whatever keeps him at home. <laughs> I want to say a couple more things. I think it's going to be around two minutes, but this one goes over a little bit. Secondly, I've left a fake advertiser in there because I leave spots open for uh, people to, uh, you know. These are like spec spots. So <laughs> no, people You've left slots there for the herd of advertisers that are sure to descend on this bit, uh, demanding that their products be placed And I think it. they should, like music places or guitar centers or those type of places should uh, take should focus in on this. I saw one that just opened a tennis bar. So they, they can actually sponsor the music note of the day. It so would make sense for them to do that. Yes. There's Okay, so there's, so there's a fake advertiser in there, and you'll hear it. And really? We'll hear it? <laughs> and also, I need to get an announcer, like our AM 970 guy, and so I had to do that myself, too. So Wait, so let me understand this. So <laughs> you, you've recorded I'm this whole... I'm pitching my product here. You've recorded this whole segment, which is two minutes long. You've done an ad yourself for a fake advertiser, and you are you yourself are the actual announcer in this as well? 
Right, but it's more or less just a sponsor mention. They yes. don't, we don't do ads. That, that it's just brought when to you by When you do the announcer, person. does it sound like you or, you, or did you give yourself it, a fake deep voice? No, I didn't. Uh, it just sounds like me because, you know, we're going to insert real announcer here later. Uh-huh. If, How, it ever, if it ever gets picked up by CBS. Let me ask you this. Let me just survey the room now. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how awkward do we think the following bit's going to be to listen to? Sarah? Um, I don't think it's so awkward. I, I'd Have say, you heard it? No. Okay. No, but I'm saying, like, Scotty, like, even if we say that it's the worst thing we've ever heard, like, it just seems like there's no break in his spirit. <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's like... You can always try uh, harder, I'm Sarah. not saying it's, like, as good as a... You know, a Casey Kasem or something like that. Because I need oh some. I need some words. Really? This is the mark of quality. I can just smell the I'm greatness on it. I'm saying it's not. Also, okay. I'm saying it's not that good. So, Tim, on a scale of one to ten, how awkward do you think it's going to be to listen to the uh, Scotty J creation? I think Scotty may be on the roll today after the Dick Van Patten interview. All right. I'll give him a six. Um, Which is a little bit better than someone working naturally. So, so Scotty, here's what we'll do. We should probably break <laughs> one note better than we'll the play. Guy. Oh wait, 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 wait. We're gonna have Roop actually. Well, we can come back, you know, after Roop. Well, I wanted to. Do, I wanted sure to play. To hear it. I want. Well, you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll quickly play this, and then we'll just do a uh, a quick uh, audience poll. Get take their temperature, and then we'll break, and we'll come back with Roop. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So we'll play this. And then, ladies and gentlemen, as this draws to a close, we will then test you. We, the audience will be your instant focus group here, Scotty. I already know what they're going to say. The number is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the... Um, What's the name of this program, Scotty? It's called the Scotty J Music Note of the Day. All right. From AM 970. Ladies and gentlemen, the pilot episode. Sarah's actually scratching herself. The pilot episode of the Scotty J Music Note of the Day on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And now, the Scotty J Music Note of the Day. Today's music note brought to you by True Music, your one and only audio source. With musical artists of heart center stage, I'm Scotty J. Born in 1950, Ann Wilson, along with her sister Nancy, arriving four years later, grew up in Southern California and Taiwan before their Marine Corps father retired to Bellevue in the Seattle suburbs. Ann, having an interest after college in such bands as Led Zeppelin and Joni Mitchell, joined the all-male band The Army in 1970, later changing the name to Whiteheart. And in 74... Can I just... Scotty, how come you're talking over the vocals? Ask at this point, yes. And how many different songs have you already gone through in the background there? There's like... And did you adjust the volume levels? (laughs) Why are we talking in the middle of this? I thought we were going to critique it after it went straight through. No, it's not over. No, to be... We better start over. No, there's another... We should restart it. There's another minute and 50 seconds left in this. It's a two-minute deal. Okay. Plus 11 seconds. But anyways. I'll just continue. Or is this about Johnny Mitchell? Recognized today as Heart, where her adaptive influences flourished vocally. Sister Nancy, who attended college and played guitar, had many opportunities during her sister's four years in the band, which she denied only to join after a final offering in late 1974. In 75, Canada's Mushroom label showed interest after catching one of the band's many one-nighters playing various Vancouver nightclubs. Dreamboat Annie was cut and released, selling 30,000 copies before word got out in Seattle, selling 25,000 more. Soon after, Crazy on You and Magic Man hit the airwaves, making the Dreamboat album a million-copy dream seller. The sisters have made hit after hit with the likes of such songs as Baby Lestrange, Barracuda, Heartless, 
these dreams, and many more. In addition to their recording career, the Wilson sisters have been key in the music scene as well as the recording industry. Recording bands such as R.E.M., Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden from their Bad Animal studio. True Music has brought you sounds from the musical group Heart. You can write us at scottyj at musicnote.us where we just might bring your band center stage. I'm Scotty J with the Music Note of the Day exclusively from AM 970 Solid State Radio. I think it was okay except for the songs. <laughs> this music segment was fine except for the... Music. Now, where did you, uh, now, do you have a microphone? Well, you must have a microphone at home. How did you do, now, where did you record this? At home. And uh, what, did you, like, cool edit or something? Yes. All right. Um, and the deal with the songs is, yeah. uh, you know, as I'm listening off songs like, you know, the, the hits, if certain people don't know about heart, like Baby Lestrange or Barracuda, so I, have them a, the, I have them say it in the background. A second and a half sample of the song to Absolutely. whet their appetite. Yeah. Yes. Uh how do you feel about going to the phones about this, Scotty? I don't care. You know, it's a, it's a first go around. No, I, no, it's not. I, I mean, sat it's... there, I wrote that, and tried to whip it all out. It took me like three and a half hours. Don't from, say whip it all out from home. I mean, it's not easy to do. It's easier to do in a studio. It's an interesting concept. I'll give you that. It's a yeah. it's a it's an I like interesting the idea. It's an and, interesting I, and I don't have writers and I don't have producers, so therefore, how am I supposed to uh, you know get better unless no, I I'm just, no, get no, critiqued no, I'm by just people? Saying, I'm just well. There you go. Yeah, that'll come. I just say no. I like the content. It's a good idea. I, I do acknowledge that. I think, yeah, you you could definitely tell that this is a home studio recording, but, you know, what are you going to do? Now, so, do you like our advertiser? This is the, the fabricated the fabricated advertiser That's here right. at the beginning and at the end. All right. Let's let's uh, let's just, uh, hi, it's the Rick Emerson uh, radio program. Hello, sir or madam, as the case may be. Scotty, job well done. I'm just not sure if it's the right venue, maybe kink or something like that, but I think it's well done. They are true to the music over there, Scotty. But I think it's... Good job. Good on you. I don't know if it's the right fit. No. How does George get through first He's call got every time? power. Seriously, because the phones are... Yes? Yes, I'd like to say, when you ever introduce Criswell, can you say the amazing Criswell? Because that seems to flow better. All right, I'll, I'll work on it. Thank you. All right, one critique per call, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I'm a big Scotty fan. <laughs> you sound drunk. Are those two things related? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Were you drunk when you recorded this, Scotty? No. All right, okay. Really? Okay. Yes, what is your take on this, sir? Yeah, it, like the last guy said, it's, it's for Kink or some other one of those radio stations. Some some other station. Some other yeah. place. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, great idea. Think if somebody else other than Scotty J did it, it would be better. It's about <laughs> as smooth as a wooden roller coaster ride. Oh, that's oh. a terrible thing to say. No, the idea is great. He's just, he's never, he, well, I don't speak as well as he does, but I suck more than he does, I guess. Scotty, so they're saying, all right, there you go. Scotty, they're saying you're an idea man. They're saying you're a, you're a big picture guy. You're a concept guy. All right. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Hello. Hi, uh, yeah, I think I'm too bad of an idea, um, but I kind of listen to the Rick Emerson show to be entertained, not learned, so. <laughs> to be learned. I don't let people don't want a civics lesson, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. People hey. want to be entertained. Well done. Well Thank done. you. That's right. Right, right now, before you get another call, yes. uh, this is not being pitched for the Rick Emerson show. This is just a little filler show oh, for, I see. So for, like, for t- midnight on Sunday. Let me understand this. So you actually use this program to incubate an idea I don't even get to air then. 
No, you can hear it all you want, but the deal was when I thought of this. I see. This would be just a little like filler thing. Like Sarah's Band-Aid Or like thing the was. Onion, yeah. I that see. type of thing. Like the uh, Onion or the other guy. It could be almost Timmy Ryan. Guy. Yes, yes. Timmy Ryan. Yes. That type of thing. Uh, like the Week in Geek one. And that's why it, it would fit, and maybe, yes, it's a kink thing, but we're trying to add a little bit of variety to this. It's a two-minute piece. More variety. I like your initiative. Um, let's see. Hi. We'll do two more, and then we got a break. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hello. Hi. I just uh, really have only one word to say because of all the clips, and that word would be jarring. There was uh, perhaps you might it might have instrumental bits in the background instead of uh, vocals, or maybe something yeah, something kind of linking them together. But yeah, listeners do find listeners do sometimes find vocals on top of vocals to be a little disconcerting. So I might work on maybe instrumentals, or maybe you take mm-hmm. like a solo or a, a hook. Like an intro, maybe loop that a little bit, like loop we the do hook. with our yes, exactly hook loops as we do with our uh, as we do with our return music here. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll do two more and then we'll uh, break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, um, you know it's a really great idea, but maybe if you used um different music, if you're going to use it on the Emerson show. As opposed, I'm sorry, as opposed to what? Um, if you're going to use it for your show, maybe some different music, like something a little more punk rock. Well, I think if the, if the idea is it's going to play throughout the day, then you could probably get away with any kind of music. Yeah, if it's if it's not going to be a popcorn, if this if, <laughs> if it's not going to be an Emerson exclusive, if uh, if this will be if this is something the entire audience will be privy to. All right, thank you. Uh, final call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show about Scotty J's music note of the day. Hey, Rick. Hey. Hi. hey. You know, uh, I really I really actually do like this whole segment, and it turned out it turned out a lot better than I was expecting. Um, for some reason, I had low expectations. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> and I think that Scotty, uh, you know, he uh, gave low expectations and delivered high. He, in sales, they say he managed expectations, sir. He under-promised and over-delivered. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of it worked out well. And, you know, the Year Show has always been a show that's been pretty friendly to... Uh, to new talents. And- to emerging well, talents. A springboard. To yes. Stardom. To greater things. <laughs> Well, you guys definitely do have a lot of musical friends and a lot of bands, uh, you know, Storm. And, you know, I, I think that definitely music is something that is uh, integral to the uh, success of the Rick Emerson show. And, and I think there is something that uh, it might work out. Yes. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your observations. All right. There you go. That's it's the American uh, bandstand of a new generation. <laughs> it's like I said, like the grind, but you know, on the radio. It's, it's the audition that's a little raw, I would imagine, after doing this for, you know, well, I think, you know, times, okay, a little Let me just say, now, all kidding aside, uh, all kidding aside, and, you know, we, we poke some fun on the Rick Emerson <laughs> show. Yeah, being so we, uh, it's an irreverent kind of edgy program that we do here. Um, I will say that uh, it's a good idea. Uh, here's but quickly we want to have some concrete observations. I think Tim and I are aligned on this that um, probably longer sections of music and instrumental ones, mm-hmm. so you're not changing songs so rapidly, um, and uh, and so you're not competing with. Because really, let's be honest, who can compete with Ann Wilson's vocals? That's just not going to happen. You're going to lose that contest every time. So I would say, for example, with this one, longer sections of music, instrumental sections of music. Um, and then I'd be curious to hear what this sounds like done in an actual recording studio. So if I were you, the next step would be to do something like this, but to do the next version here at the actual CBS studios and right. see how it sounds. There are plenty of empty studios here, Scotty. Just and, and you would yes. suggest not uh, maybe <laughs> listing the songs. and then and so, so like when I said Barracuda, she said Barracuda, so that would give you the idea if you'd never heard the song before. However, you don't saying, like that idea, well, right? Well, I'm, 
It seems to me, if you haven't heard the song, a second and a half of her saying the word isn't really, that's not really like hook testing. You know what I mean? That's not really going to give you like the full, uh, the full experience. The full taste test, yeah. Yeah. if it, you will. Yes, I would, I would say that that probably isn't, that isn't a substitute for being familiar with the song. Okay. All right, so there you go. But I, I would say it's a good idea, though. I would say keep polishing that. Nothing is really ever perfect the first time with anybody. I would say give that a, give that a second pass one of these days. Okay. All right. Thank you. Scotty J, ladies we'll and gentlemen. We'll expect a new one tomorrow. Right. Yeah, thank you. I don't know why. Yeah, like, well, because we're acclimated to clapping whenever somebody leaves the room. All right. All right. Well, El is supposed to be here now. All right. Well, we should break. Okay. Uh, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Uh, Jim Rupert on the corner. Later on, more from Tim Riley. And we'll uh, count down the top five. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Jay. Oh. Hello, sir. How are you? That sounded like it hurt. What? My just now? No, yeah. I'm sorry. I was looking over Sarah. I was distracted by the fact that Sarah went to pot up your music, uh, and the knob actually came right off in her hand. Oh goodness. Quality CBS workmanship. Hey, sorry I'm late there, boss. Oh, that's, no, 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 it's okay. Not at all. I was just, I wanted to make sure that that wasn't something uh, that we had done and we hadn't booked you at the wrong time. No, you booked me at the right time. I just called at the wrong time. Oh, no, no, that's okay. Don't, you know, my I won't friend. Do it again. No, no, no. You know what? You at the wrong time still sound better than most people at absolutely the right time. You're uh, agreed apart is what on. you are. Hey, um, hey, guess who I talked to today? Dick Van Patten. Oh, yeah, I've talked, I spoke with him before. He's a cool guy. He was very cool. Scotty yeah. Scotty has, I will say this. He Scotty talked about his dog food? He did, he did. Scotty is a Jedi at guest booking. I really will give you that. And I've given him some crap because we've had a couple high-profile guests that kind of fell through. But really, there are certain people that it's a combination of willingness to be interviewed and Scotty's just unmitigated ability to just just, just uh, to just shill and and just uh, and just dance and just uh, shuck his way all the way into their hearts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So... Uh, anyway, so we had him on today, and he's just the coolest guy. He really and, is. You know, and he's 79 years old and has three projects in the pipeline right now. How cool is that? Yeah. So, anyway, I dig that guy. Yeah, he's just funny. He's just fun to talk to. I mean, he, he, he doesn't even know how funny he is. No, and he, you know? and I don't think he is aware... Uh, I'm not going to say that he's, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, it's not like he's some uh, huge, gigantic cultural icon, but he's famous. I mean, he's everybody knows who he is. You yeah. see him on TV and you're like, hey, it's Dick Van Patten. Um, and I don't think he really is aware of the fact that he is as recognizable as he is. He's just so low-key and just so mellow about the whole thing. So I dig that. He guy. always had, I mean... I, I even uh, co-hosted a parade with him in a city called Montrose, you know, Montrose out here in California. Really? And uh, he was so funny and just so fun because I was doing the parade with him, and I was guy on the street. He was on the on the stand, you know, with the, the guys with the headphones, and they thought, here comes the Knights of Columbus walk. You know, I, so I was on the street interviewing people in cars, you know, local dignitaries and what have you. And there was this car that ran and, and stopped right on my foot. And I'm interviewing the guy. I think it was the mayor of Montrose or some silly, something like that. And and Dick Van Patten is the only one that notices this car is on my foot. So he says, "Hey Jim, ask him about this." 
Hey, Jim, ask him. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking at him like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, no, wait. Before you go, uh, Mayor, uh, what are we? Oh, Excellent. man. He was great. He was so funny. And, you know, and it, we were talking about all the weird things with the, with the 80s and up, like the fact that Mark Hamill was initially on that show. And then they're like, you know, what? like of those eight kids, and they're like seven of them. Was it six kids or was it eight kids? Six kids and two parents. It was eight kids. Wasn't I think it? it was eight kids, and like five of them have overdosed. You know, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's Adam Rich who kind of sets the gold standard. He's sort of the uh, the Todd. Oh, that's right, I remember that guy. He's like the Todd Bridges of that family. Yeah. Uh, and then you got what's her name, Lonnie O'Grady or Lori O'Grady or whatever her name is. She's like the husky sort of uh, sort of butch one. Oh yeah, the redhead. Yeah. And then she died too. She was the one. Strangely enough, she was the one that I kind of had a crush on when I was a kid, uh, which is a little odd because you know she's in retrospect she's sort of the least. Uh, she's the peppermint patty of the group. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. That's exactly well done, sir. Thank you. She's the field hockey player. That's the right. The peppermint patty. Um, but yeah, she's dead, I think. She was in rehab like a hundred different times, and now she's dead. So it's just a weird... It, 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 the whole child star phenomenon. I wanted to ask him a little bit about it, but we kind of ran out of time. Did he, did he bring up his own sons? No, no. Well, he had some son that went all link letter, right? That, uh, did he have some kid that overdosed or jumped up a building? Or yeah, something? but they're all doing well now. Oh, so one so the, the, one of them isn't dead. No, no, no. All right. No, okay. they're all doing well. They're directing. They're, most of them are behind the scenes now, but they're doing very well. All In right. fact, Vince Van Patten is. You see his his credits on everything. Sure, sure. He's directing everything. Uh, all right. Oh, hey, speaking of, well, we can just segue right in here. To the, speaking of uh, people who aren't doing so well. So, I mean, I guess the good news is is that they're not going to hit Lindsay Lohan with the, having all this coke <laughs> in her car. Yeah, well, I guess you know it's not going to stick. So the the. Uh, but it stick. It was in her pants. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying the the DA is saying now. You know, it's not going to stick. So. I just don't understand how this world works. It's not like I have any personal stake in Lindsay Lohan going to prison. But if you can have a bag of cocaine in your pants, and they somehow can't make the case, I mean, it really does let you know how OJ got away. You know what I mean? Well, it, yeah, and it's it's another one of those things that that speaks to. To kids are saying, hey, you know, it's, you, you can just claim the Lindsay Lohan defense. You're going to be fine. It really does surprise me, especially in light of the Paris Hilton thing uh, and how popular punishing Paris was with the voting public. Yeah. It, it surprises me that there isn't some DA that's like, this is how I'm going to make my bones, you know? Well, um, I don't know. What, I, I don't know what, how. I think it's just going to be wind up being some sort of misdemeanor slap on the wrist and then uh, attempt at rehab again, and it's all done. But I, she's not going to suffer any consequences whatsoever. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, speaking of Lindsay Lohan, I don't know if you uh, they they stock Maxim magazine down there in uh, in Los Angeles. The next time, I certainly don't pay money for it, but the next time you're at like a gas station or something. Although, Arnold, your gas station's being hit with, like, price-fixing accusations? Well, that's the big thing now. There's a lawsuit. But see, this lawsuit was attempted uh, four years ago, or in 2004. The U.S. Supreme Court tossed it out last year that uh, local gas station owners got together to claim uh, price-fixing by Shell Oil, uh, Saudi, Saudi Refinery, and um, uh, Chevron. And that didn't work the last time, but they expected to work this time because of some other twist in the thing that I don't really understand. But, yeah, they're trying to claim that uh, when the crude oil prices sunk to their lowest level since the Great Depression when you adjust for inflation, Jeez. that they all got together and secretly in the star chamber kind of thing and said, okay, uh, we're going to bring our prices up to your prices. You bring your prices up to his prices, then we'll bring our prices back up to your prices. They raised them 20 to 40 cents per gallon. In the late 90s to uh, up to 2001, and the class action, at least the, the it's it's 
They're trying to seek class action status, which means great because I'll line up and want some money back. I mean, I just sort of assume that all those prices are fixed. You know what I mean? Like, it's, these are the cases only confirm you, what I already kind of know. But you can't prove it. Yeah, no, no. You just sort of you understand. It's just nothing in nothing in paper, nothing written, just a wink and a nod and an understanding, as they right. say. Well, anyway, so the, the, the good news here is the next time you go to the gas station, there'll be something to cheer you. There is on the cover of Maxim magazine, the September 2007 issue, the hottest, sleaziest photo of Lindsay Lohan that has ever been taken. Really? It really is. Un- Listen, there's the there's that guy tone of voice thing. Really, I have, I feel the need to go buy a roadmap. Start uh, googling it now. Uh, Sarah and I were talking about this yesterday, and it's the sort of thing that like Sarah does not find sort of the pretty or hot or aesthetically pleasing or whatever it is at all. It's a total guy photo. It is Lindsay Lohan, I believe, barefoot, uh, hair all tangled up, like sort of not really rolling on the floor. But sort of like half falling on the floor, half holding herself up with like a really ba- like a dirty and torn white wedding dress kind of a thing going on. Oh. It's sort of like that Madonna like a virgin outfit that she had on if she'd sort of been grubbied up and had just been pulled out of a dumpster. It's uh, I, maybe I'm not really selling the uh, the hot aspect of it. it. It is just a really trashy photograph. Maybe the last great photograph we're ever going to get out of her. I'm in because she'll either be smacked out and dead. Or she'll suddenly turn the corner and become like some sort of weird, uh, washed-up nutcase Christian or something. In either event, we're not going to get any good hot photos out of her from this point on. So we should cherish these last few photographic remnants of her beautiful stage. Uh, so you say it's in Maxim, huh? Front cover of Maxim magazine. There's some other good photographs inside, but the cover is really, that's the uh, that's where your money is right there. I'm in. All right. Jim Roop, as always, a pleasure, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, there you go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Fantastic. All right, it's uh, 503-733. Uh, 2970. Tim Riley will be joining us here in just a few moments. Uh, we will get to the top five today. Have I uh, played you this uh, Boys to Men thing? No. Can I hand this to you here? It's track four. Sarah Wagner, who works upstairs, uh, came by my office yesterday because she heard us talking about that, uh, that I make love to you, whatever that song that you, we were doing, the top five slow dance songs of the 90s. So she heard us talking about the Boys to Men thing, and we were making the observation that there's so many songs, and I don't have time to do a whole thing on this, but there's so many songs that are just sort of creepy but only in retrospect. It, songs that you didn't really realize were kind of so creepy and just salacious sounding. And then you, you sort of listen to them later, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, and it all becomes very apparent. Um, and so it is with this. And she noted this is... The, I don't think I've, if I heard the song, it would have been like in sixth grade. This is the first... So you guys are about the same age. This is mm-hmm. the first Boys to Men album. This is Cooley High Harmony. This is the one that had Hard to Take About It yesterday. Do you know their it. names? I know they all had nicknames like Squirt and Throb and... How did you know that? Pulse and... Yeah, there's Alex Vanderpool, then Bass, Squirt, and Slim. First of all, Alex Vanderpool, does, it's not a nickname. That's just a name. Yeah, but it's, it, it's a nickname because that's not his real name. I know, but I'm saying like what... What kind of a nickname? That's what really is your nickname, weird. Ned Ryerson? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Nicknames are like Biff, Chet, Spot. Um, so she noted that she had this CD, as did all of her classmates, when she was 11 years old. I mean, really not. I mean, yes, so we are the same age. The, this was in 91. The definition of prepubescent. So cut number four, and I do believe this track is simply called Uh, Ah. Just don't write them like that anymore, kids. This is Uh, Ah, uh, by uh, by Boys to Men. So uh, the first thing you'll notice, by the way, is how this is really a production of its time. I'm not saying that the guys in Boys to Men are, uh, don't have nice voices because they do. It's just that you can tell that these are fake ass studio harmonies. These are not organic oh, yeah, harmonies. Oh, they're dun 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 dun. Well, they're totally. They're it's electronically processed. Motown processed. Philly on here too, Rick. Motown Philly back again. Boys to Men. 
A, B, C, B, B, D. Uh, it's not... I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I'm some great singer. I can just spot when harmonies have been faked electronically in the studio to sound closer than they are. So listen to how sleazy this song is when you consider that it's targeted at 11-year-old girls. And I do believe they start off with some weird, like, let's... let's Fucking word thing? It's like some let's inject it. Some, like, go ahead and play. Okay. This is a, I remember the song. Yeah. Wait, wait for the creepy guy line. Injection, fellas. How creepy is that? Oh my God, I love yeah. this song. I love this when I was when ten. I was eleven. <laughs> I love this when I was ten and sexless. Yeah. I mean, the idea that children are somehow being um, sexed up at a, you know, sort of being, having this weird societal sexuality ladled onto them as a recent phenomenon is not really true. Because this is almost 20 years ago. That'll make you feel old, by the way. And the best part is, I don't know if you can hear this on yeah. AM radio, Ugh. hear the woman in the background getting her moan on. It's all sexy moans. Yeah. That's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what, I mean, if you're 10 or 11, do you even process that kind of sound? No, we just processed that it was on the radio. Like when you hear the woman, she's doing the, getting all grunty and whatnot. Like as an 11-year-old, do you even notice? Or when did you hear it and just not know what it is? Is that like, you know, that, are you and Daddy okay in there? Is that one of those where you just don't even know what, what, it, what it is? Uh-oh. Oh, Somebody loved their boy Tim CD a little too much. There. I think she told me she's like, yeah, she's like, you don't even have to get that back. She's like, you can just uh, you just keep that. Ooh. This is a great song. Are we going to listen to the Do we get to listen to the entire boys to Men CD now? Oh, this has got that this has also got oh, that it, it's, it's like the fake snapping. I've got it on I've actually got this on my MP3 player upstairs. That's on a uh, All right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. That's a great single by the way. That and the original version of that which mm-hmm. is from the movie Cooley High. That's a great song. That is a that is a great single. Can we introduce Tim Riley with a Boys to Men song? Tim, would you like to be in? Do you have a favorite Boys to Men song? Do you want to pick one? Um, how about the I want to make love to you, baby. Do you have that, that one? Not on so creepy. That was from Boys to Men too. Yeah, in your face. What are they doing now? Are they even around? They're men to men. <laughs> men to, men to geezers. Uh, all right. Let's uh, just find a random Boys to Men. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Does he curse in this song? Oh, is this Motown Philly? Yes. Does he curse in this? Well, because he said at the beginning, he's like, just don't curse. This is the first words on the track, and I'm like, oh, no. I was more of a Belle Biv DeVoe fan myself. I can't even... Is this skipping, or is it a remix? It's skipping. All right. All Here's right. Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. That man caught peeping at women in a publicly treated and estimated campground has been doing so for 15 years. He admits to doing practice. Uh, he's been seen at that area year after year. Uh, the incident was reported to police. However, no criminal charges were filed against Henry uh, Richard Henry Berkey, who's 51 from Beaverton. He was taken to the Clackamas County Jail, charged with public indecency. But that's not enough to go to jail in Clackamas County. He didn't kill anyone. 
Uh, he's going to uh, Clackamas County Superior Court September 18th. And uh, they also found maps to other campgrounds in his car. Uh, how's Binky the Two-Headed Calf doing today, you ask? I'm sorry? A Binky the Two-Headed Calf. Okay. This is a two-headed calf born yesterday in Tulare, California. They're uh, doing everything they can to keep Binky alive, but it may be a losing battle. Well, Binky seems normal, except for having two mouths, two noses, four eyes, which blink simultaneously. Uh, Binky is unable to stand. They say it indicates that he has a deformity in his brain. Oh, it's Binky's lady uh, in her brain. This is the weirdest story. <laughs> okay. And possibly fluid buildup in her lungs. Uh, okay. Uh, meanwhile, camera flashers have uh, Blinky's eyes blinking a lot <laughs> as residents pop pictures of themselves standing next to the four-eyed animal. This is the strangest conglomeration of words we ever had. I am a sucker for stories about animals born with extra appendages. Mm -hmm. Or babies, for that matter. Yeah. You know? Some sort of, like, when they, like a two-headed baby is born somewhere. Those are good times. All right. So hopefully uh, Binky will come out of this fine. Yes. The new Fox reality program, Anchor Woman, is stirring a controversy. It premieres tonight. It follows a former beauty queen, swimsuit model, and world wrestling diva, a term used loosely to anyone these days, Lauren Jones, as she sets out to transform herself into a hard-hitting news lady at uh, the Tyler, Texas affiliate, KYTX. Apparently, uh, it premieres tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox. Then the producers of a CBS reality series uh, featuring 40 children living on their own in the New Mexico desert may get themselves in trouble. How could that go wrong? Apparently, there are no parrots around. So Seamus sent me a story about this. So is the, is the series, because the series has already been wrapped up, right? Yeah. Because now the lawsuits have begun. Mm -hmm. So, excellent. So this is where they took 40 kids, children of the corn style, yeah. and they just gave them a whole town without adults, and they were like, eh, make the best of it. This took place at the Bonanza Creek Movie Ranch, yeah. eight miles east of Santa Fe. And so I guess except for the film crew, there were no parents, no adults, no authority figures of any kind. There's some girl who ended up drinking bleach. Mm -hmm. There's some other girl that fell into a deep fryer. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm just saying it. Just, just It's like that when you say, who could have seen that coming? The answer is everyone except for CBS, apparently. But who knows? The same thing isn't, isn't happening with Katie Couric that we don't know about. Well, maybe one of these... Maybe one of these children wants to uh, grow up to. Maybe they can play. That'll be part of the class action suit. She'll just get the news, the news hosting job. Well, here's somebody nobody would ever want or really need. After nearly three decades, the Eagles will release their first studio album in October. I was just hoping that the Eagles would put out more music. Uh, this is the long road out of, of uh, Eden. The first single from the album is titled How Long. It's received uh, some radio airplay. And wait a minute. What are they labeling that as? The first new music and how long? Let's see. Uh, Three decades. Well, that's that's a lie. That's an it's absolute they broke up in night. That is a flat out lie. And have reunited since. That is a, that is a, on several tours. Yeah, that is a, that is a flat out absolute. What? Who is that from? Is that from the Associated Press? Who's blindly passing along that crap as news? Uh, Metro source. Metro blindly passing along this crap as it news. It was written by someone named Pandora Reynolds. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Pandora. Uh, it. I, I realize that it's... We're pandoring to the Eagles fans. <laughs> That's much better than my Pandora's box joke. Yeah, I knew you were going to do something like that. <laughs> I left that one for you. I'll leave you with a good stuff, <laughs> as I should. Well, that, but that's a bunch of crap. Even if, I mean, even if you ignore the fact that they've already done, like, five reunion and then farewell tours since they broke up, the fact is they put out a, a new song on that last collection of theirs. It was called Get Over It, because I was working at a rock radio station when it happened, and that would have been, like, 1995. And it was all like, the Eagles, their first new song in 20 years. 
I mean, and that was like only less than a decade ago. So that's just flat-out fabricated. Tim, I will not have fabricated news on this radio station. I won't allow it. I apologize. I demand that we destroy that story immediately. Thank you. All right. That you has, may hear it again during Lycus. That has tamped <laughs> down the fires of discontent raging in my heart. Will you piece it back together for Lycus? I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, more bad news for John McCain. The new poll shows his support has evaporated in Iowa. Uh, he has only uh, 6% support among Iowans. <laughs> evaporated. That's a great word. Not diminished. Not cooled slightly. His, his appeal is just gone. Uh, Mitt Romney is in the lead, mm-hmm. and uh, Mayor Giuliani right after him. All right. So that's that. Uh, let's do this one call, and then we'll do the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Hello. Oh, hi. You were talking about Lindsay Lohan. Yes. And um, I was trying to think of who she reminds me of. Um, she's like a very young Anne Margaret. Oh, yeah. No, I think somebody else made that observation a few months ago. It very, it is very true. Uh, the looks get... department. Yeah. I mean, if, if she were to pull her plane out of this nosedive, you know no. what I mean? She'd yeah. Be a... Very beautiful. Physically, she does look like Anne Margaret. You're very right about that. Uh, yeah. Really, I can't oversell going on. Apparently, the Maxim site is, is uh, very operating very slowly now. Maybe there's uh, many uh, guys abusing their company's Internet connections at this moment. I really would suggest that you take a good, long look at the cover of this Maxim magazine, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah i got to go get a map. I'll see you. All right, bye now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, I got a <laughs> Thanks. I know. Yeah. Weird. Sorry about that. Uh-huh. Uh, the cat was biting me on the leg. Uh, that really hurt. Anyway, the, the, the eagle walks at midnight. <laughs> that too. The reason uh, old Lindsay got off on that coke thing. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's kind of like. Is this leading up to a joke, sir? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, other people have gotten off on it when they gotten off on the. Is this open mic night? Seriously, are we at the chuckle hutch? I'm sorry, but I'm I'm bleeding here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Now I feel like a jerk. Um, We'll call back when you. Yeah, I call back. You call back when I staunch the bleeding. Okay. Bye. Finally get your big break in the cup like you. I'll call back when I've staunched the bleeding. The best thing I've ever heard. Here's the top five. Five, four, three, two. And we were just mocking, mocking his blood. (laughs) (laughs) I know he'd been working on that all day too. Polishing that punchline for weeks in his garage. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for the top five. Oh, you know, cats love their owners, don't they? It's true. And to be fair, we should have Scotty J join us in the studio now. Uh, as Scotty J also polishes his broadcasting skills for his uh, soon-to-be retooled uh, Scotty J's music note of the day bit. Here's another chance for Scotty J to weigh in on things of a musical nature. Hello, Scotty. How's it going, Rick? Hey. At least we're not being bit by cats. Yeah, seriously. At least <laughs> you're not bleeding openly. Here's... Oh, yes, I am. After that last critiquing, but yeah. Uh, now, don't you be... need to man up, Scotty. No, yeah, don't be an ass. You asked you asked for a critique. I'm not trying to be... It's not going to do me any good or you any good if I uh, soft soap it with you. <laughs> oh, Scotty, you haven't had soft some of the consultants soap. I've had. Sure, I was going to say, scrub. dude, you have never... You know, you are not allowed to complain because you know what seriously, you don't... Seriously, you've never I've had never to have to... a sit-down. 
down with your uh, program director and listen to yourself tape. I, I yeah, was, never I been was in the school of hard knocks. I was no, none of. Now look, you, you mm-hmm. dick. I was just. You know what thing. I'm saying? I haven't been there. I'm just saying, see. Sarah speaks the truth here. You know, you don't have to have. An air check session. You don't have to have air checking <laughs> sessions. You don't know what pain is. Actually, maybe Scotty should. Yeah, maybe I can that just would imagine be... that, you calling me into your office for an air check. Well, maybe you don't have to imagine it, Scotty. <laughs> he has the authority to do so. I, I know he did. Like we could <laughs> actually quite do that if you'd, if, you'd, if you'd enjoy no, that. No, I don't think he I would. He could actually be the program director. <laughs> maybe you can bring Mark in to have a sit down as that well. That would not yeah. be so funny. That is, that's a now, great now, idea. Now, now the joke's not and so Mark's funny Mark's boss is in town today as well. Maybe we'll have her come sit with us. The gang will all be there, Scotty. I she's a nice lady. She is. She's fantastic. All right, let's uh, roll the top five. Here's the top five cool songs. Tim Riley. All right, with honorable mention, we have the audition with Cool It Now. Scotty, why did you put this on? I hate this song, this too, by snappy. the way. This is new edition, is it not? It is. How hot is it out there today, Tim? It's in the 80s. Well, okay. So I guess it makes sense that we... Cool it down here at AM 970. Yes. So the new edition were sort of either a Latter-day Jackson 5 or an early version of the New Kids on the Block, depending on how you'd like to look at them. Yeah, they came after them, right? Who? What? New edition came after the New Kids on the Block. No, no. No, in fact, the new edition was created by a guy named Maury Starr. Um, New edition then fired him. And out of retribution, he said, I'm going to create another version of New Edition, but this time with white kids. Um, and he then created New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block were created to be a white version of New Edition, both by this uh, guy, this big black guy named Maurice Starr. You'll recognize him in all the photos of, with New Kids on the Block. He's a huge black man who dressed in a uh, general's outfit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See a big guy who looks like Idi Amin? That's him. Uh, so they were the Pat Boone of the new edition. They really were. Yeah, although they had Candy Girl. You can't front on Candy Girl. That's a great song. Number five is Devo. Through being cool. I don't know. This is the top five cool songs, so. I know that I'm. So these are like the top five songs that. <laughs> that you don't ever want to hear ever again. Inexplicably on the countdown. I know that I'm supposed to like Devo. I just don't. I like a couple of their songs. What about Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress? Sorry. Is that we, not on this list? It was just too obvious. Yes. We play the Whatever unobvious. You do, don't, don't go pick on those songs <laughs> that really belong on the list. If you are a Devo fan, you should go to Rock, uh, Rockfest uh, the 12th or Sunday and see the punk group. Our uh, friends and local keyboardists, the punk group, will be playing on the second stage at Rockfest the 12th this coming Sunday. That sounds splendid. At number four is General Public and Hot So Cool. This now, is do, like do you even know who these guys are? New Wave-tastic. Where yeah, did these songs come from? I just did a search for the word cool and out out, out this top You didn't even know these songs? Your computer just vomited these songs up. in his box of 45. I don't remember the name of this singer now all of a sudden, but they he was a lead singer of English Beat. And then they formed this band, and then he, then he went back Boy, this to is the English most, Beat. This is the most 80s English thing I've ever heard. You've heard of English Beat, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Okay, I can't stand the It is fitting anymore. for the 80-degree weather, though. Yeah. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Number three, the Little River Band and a Cool Chain. The Little River Band. <laughs> 
Why did you just throw this top five in the garbage? I'm not, dude. I'm not the one who created it. <laughs> I have two more songs to go before. Yeah, actually, that, that time isn't done, that time isn't enhanced, Scotty. I love the Little River Band. So. Everybody likes them. Yeah, sure. Who doesn't? I've seen them at the Washington County Fair. Of course you have. I mean, right. my friend had a bet that it's not the real singer. Moving on, we're counting down the top five cool songs. Tim, number two, Boston, Cool the Engines. Ooh, corporate rock. I haven't heard this very seriously. I can smell the A&R rep from here. Listen, it's every Boston song ever recorded. Yeah, a lot of their songs sound the same. Really? I hadn't noticed that. Is this Brad Delp? I can't even tell. Yeah, absolutely. You sound less than convinced. The thing is, I, what is I, this new I laugh like you have developed yeah. the laugh of. I, I don't know. I'm just no. Yeah, your just, new laugh is that yeah. of Ernie from Sesame Street. Well, well, I am kind of a muffet. Or Flavor Flav. Take your choice. Uh, Flavor Flav. I'll take Ernie. Okay. All right. Counting down the top five cool songs. Tim. At long last, we're at number one with Robert Plant and the Tall Cool One. Boy, this is a terrible song. There you go. That's the fastest top five we've ever done here at yeah. AM 970. It's over. Done. It can now go in the garbage. You're full of self-esteem today, Scotty. <laughs> you, literally, you went through that top five in, in three minutes. Yeah, these songs are all terrible. Okay. I mean, the closest thing to a good song here is Robert Plant, and that's only because he used to sing in a band that was good. No, I'm telling you this. I watched him perform this song at, in Salem at the State Fair or whatever. You see a lot of bands. Great. Fair. The only reason the song is good is because it samples a bunch of Led Zeppelin songs. Well, the, the you, like that right there. I don't for remember example. what the name of this album is, but um, it had like four, three, three or four good now songs. Now and Zen, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually a pretty good one. I'm just saying. Look, I love Robert Plant. You know, I do. But the only good Robert Plant solo songs are the ones that rip off Zeppelin songs. And this is the most notorious example because it doesn't just rewrite them; it actually samples like 15 different Led Zeppelin songs. In well, it's so. kind of smart on his part then sell a couple albums that, that way. That's true. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, Jay. Oh, hello, sir. How are you? That sounded like it hurt. What? My just now? No, yeah. I'm sorry. I was looking over Sarah. I was distracted by the fact that Sarah went to pot up your music, uh, and the knob actually came right off in her hand. Oh goodness. Quality CBS workmanship. Hey, sorry I'm late there, boss. Oh, that's, no, 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 it's okay. Not at all. I was just, I wanted to make sure that that wasn't something uh, that we had done and we hadn't booked you at the wrong time. No, you booked me at the right time. I just called at the wrong time. Oh, no, no, that's okay. Don't, you know, my I won't friend. Do it again. No, no, no. You know what? You at the wrong time still sound better than most people at absolutely the right time. You're uh, a breed apart is what on. you are. Hey, um, hey, guess who I talked to today? Dick Van Patten. Oh, yeah, I've spoken with him before. He's a cool guy. He was very cool. Scotty, yeah. Scotty has, I will say this. He Scotty talked about is, his dog food? He did, he did. Scotty is a Jedi at guest booking. I really will give you that. And I've given him some crap because we've had a couple high-profile guests that kind of fell through. But really, there are certain people that it's a combination of willingness to be interviewed and Scotty's just unmitigated ability to just just uh, to just shill and, and, just, uh, and just dance and just uh, shuck his way all the way into their hearts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, anyway, so we had him on today, and he's just the coolest guy. He really is. You know, and he's 79 years old and has three projects in the pipeline right now. How cool is that? Yeah. 
So anyway, I dig that guy. Yeah, he's just funny. But he's just fun to talk to. I mean, he he doesn't even know how funny he is. No, and he you know? and I don't think he is aware. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's you know some sort of uh, you know it's not like he's some uh, huge gigantic cultural icon, but he's famous. I mean, he's everybody knows who he is. You yeah. see him on TV, and you're like, hey, it's Dick Van Patten. Um, and I don't think he really is aware of the fact that he is as recognizable as he is. He's just so low-key and just so mellow about the whole thing. So I dig that. He thing. always had, I mean, I, I even uh, co-hosted a parade with him in a city called Montrose, you know, Montrose out here in California. Really? And uh, he was so funny and just so fun because I was doing the parade with him, and I was guy on the street. He was on the on the stand, you know, with the, the guys with the headphones, and they talked, here comes the Knights of Columbus walk. You know, so I was on the street interviewing people in cars, you know, local dignitaries and what have you. And there was this car that ran and, and stopped right on my foot. And I'm interviewing the guy. I think it was the mayor of Montrose or some silly, something like that. And, and Dick Van Patten is the only one that notices this car is on my foot. So he says, hey, Jim, ask him about this. Hey, Jim, ask him. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking at him like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, no, wait. Before you go, uh, Mayor, uh, what are we? Oh, Excellent. Man. He was great. He was so funny. And, you know, and we were talking about all the weird things with the, with the 80s and up, like the fact that Mark Hamill was initially on that show. And then they're like, you know, what? like of those eight kids, and they're like seven of them. Was it six kids or was it eight kids? Six kids and two parents. The eight kids. Wasn't I think it? it was eight kids, and like five of them <laughs> overdosed. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, there's Adam Rich who kind of sets the gold standard. He's sort of the uh, the Todd. Oh, that's right. I remember that guy. He's like the Todd Bridges of that family. Yeah. Uh, and then you got what's her name, Lonnie O'Grady or Lori O'Grady or whatever her name is. She's like the husky sort of uh, sort of butch one. Oh yeah, the redhead. Yeah. And then she died too. She was the one. Strangely enough, she was the one that I kind of had a crush on when I was a kid, uh, which is a little odd because you know she's in retrospect she's sort of the least. Uh, she's kid- a peppermint pat of the group. That's a good way to put that. That's exactly well done, sir. Thank you. She's the field hockey player. That's the right. The Peppermint Patty. Um, but yeah, she's dead, I think. She was in rehab like a hundred different times, and now she's dead. So it's just a weird... It, 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 the whole child star phenomenon. I wanted to ask him a little bit about it, but we kind of ran out of time. Did he, did he bring up his own sons? No, no. Well, he had some son that went all Linkletter, right? That uh, Did he have some kid that overdosed or jumped off a building yeah, or something? Yeah, but they're all doing well now. Oh, so one so the, the, one of them isn't dead. No, no, no. All right. No, okay. they're all doing well. They're directing. They're, most of them are behind the scenes now, but they're doing very well. All In right. fact, Vince Van Patten is. You see his his credits on everything. Sure, sure. He's directing everything. Uh, all right. Oh, hey, speaking of, well, we can just segue right in here. To the, speaking of uh, people who aren't doing so well. So, I mean, I guess the good news is is that they're not going to hit Lindsay Lohan with the, having all those coke <laughs> in her car. Yeah, well, I guess you know it's not going to stick. So the the. Uh, but it stick. It was in her pants. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying that the DA is saying now. You know, it's not going to stick. So. I just don't understand how this world works. It's not like I have any personal stake in Lindsay Lohan going to prison. But if you can have a bag of cocaine in your pants, and they somehow can't make the case, I mean, it really does let you know how OJ got away. You know what I mean? Well, it, yeah, and it's it's another one of those things that that speaks to. To kids are saying, hey, you know, it's, you, you can just claim the Lindsay Lohan defense. You're going to be fine. It really does surprise me, especially in light of the Paris Hilton thing uh, and how popular punishing Paris was with the voting public. Yeah. It, it surprises me that there isn't some DA that's like, this is how I'm going to make my bones, you know? Well, 
Um, I don't know. What, I don't know what, how. I think it's just going to be wind up being some sort of misdemeanor slap on the wrist and then uh, attempt at rehab again, and it's all done. But I, she's not going to suffer any consequences whatsoever. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, speaking of Lindsay Lohan, I don't know if you uh, they they stock Maxim magazine down there in uh, in Los Angeles. The next time, I just certainly don't pay money for it. But the next time you're at like a gas station or something. Although, Arnold, your gas station's being hit with, like, price-fixing accusations? Well, that's the big thing now. There's a lawsuit. But see, this lawsuit was attempted uh, four years ago, or in 2004. The U.S. Supreme Court tossed it out last year that uh, local gas station owners got together to claim uh, price-fixing by Shell Oil, uh, Saudi, Saudi Refinery, and um, uh, Chevron. And that didn't work the last time, but they expected to work this time because of some other twist in the thing that I don't really understand. But, yeah, they're trying to claim that uh, when the crude oil prices sunk to their lowest level since the Great Depression when you adjust for inflation, mm-hmm. that they all got together and secretly in the star chamber kind of thing and said, okay, uh, we're going to bring our prices up to your prices. You bring your prices up to his prices, then we'll bring our prices back up to your prices. They raised them 20 to 40 cents per gallon. In the late 90s to uh, up to 2001, and the class action, at least the, the it's it's they're trying to seek class action status, which means great because I'll line up and want some money back. I mean, I just sort of assume that all those prices are fixed. You know what I mean? Like it's, these are the cases only confirm it, it, what I already kind of know. But you can't prove it. Yeah, no, no. You just sort of you understand. It's just nothing in nothing in paper, nothing written, just a wink and a nod and an understanding, as they right. say. Well, anyway, so the, the, the good news here is the next time you go to the gas station, there'll be something to cheer you. There he is on the cover of Maxim magazine, the September 2007 issue, the hottest, sleaziest photo of Lindsay Lohan that has ever been taken. Really? It really is. Un- Listen, there's the there's that guy tone of voice. Thing. Really? I <laughs> I feel the need to go buy a roadmap. Start uh, googling it now. Uh, Sarah and I were talking about this yesterday, and it's the sort of thing that like. Sarah does not find sort of the pretty or hot or aesthetically pleasing or whatever it is at all. It's a total guy photo. It is Lindsay Lohan, I believe, barefoot, uh, hair all tangled up, like sort of not really rolling on the floor, but sort of like half falling on the floor, half holding herself up with like a really like a dirty and torn white wedding dress kind of a thing going on. Oh. It's sort of like that Madonna-like a virgin outfit that she had on if she'd sort of been grubbied up and had just been pulled out of a dumpster. It's, uh, I, maybe I'm not really selling the uh, the hot aspect of it. it. It is just a really trashy photograph. Maybe the last great photograph we're ever going to get out of her. I'm in. Because she'll either be smacked out and dead or she'll suddenly turn the corner and become like some sort of weird, uh, washed-up nutcase Christian or something. In either event, we're not going to get any good hot photos out of her from this point on. So we should cherish these last few photographic remnants of her beautiful stage. Uh, so you say it's in Maxim, huh? Front cover of Maxim magazine. There's some other good photographs inside, but the cover is really, that's the uh, that's where your money is right there. I'm in. All right. Jim Roop, as always, a pleasure, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, there you go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Fantastic. All right, it's uh, 503-733. Uh, 2970. Tim Riley will be joining us here in just a few moments. Uh, we will get to the top five today. Have I uh, played you this uh, Boys to Men thing? No. Can I hand this to you here? It's track four. Sarah Wagner, who works upstairs, uh, came by my office yesterday because she heard us talking about that, uh, that I make love to you, whatever that song that you, we were doing, the top five slow dance songs of the 90s. So she heard us talking about the Boys to Men thing, and we were making the observation that. There's so many songs, and I don't have time to do a whole thing on this, but there's so many songs that are just sort of creepy but only in retrospect. Songs that you didn't really realize were kind of so creepy and just salacious sounding. And then you you sort of listen to them later, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, and it all becomes very apparent. Um, 
And so it is with this. And she noted this is... The, I don't think I've, if I heard the song, it would have been like in sixth grade. This is the first... So you guys are about the same age. This is mm-hmm. the first Boys to Men album. This is Cooley High Harmony. This is the one that had Hard to Think About It yesterday. Do you know their it. names? I know that they all had nicknames like Squirt and Throb and... How did you know that? Pulse and... Yeah, there's Alex Vanderpool, then Bass, Squirt, and Slim. First of all, Alex Vanderpool, does, it's not a nickname. That's just a name. Yeah, but it's, it, it's a nickname because that's not his real name. I know, but I'm saying like, what what kind of a nickname? That's what really is your nickname, weird. Ned Ryerson? I mean, that's just doesn't make any sense. Nicknames are like Biff, Chet, Spot. Um, so she noted that she had this CD, as did all of her classmates, when she was 11 years old. I mean, really not. I mean, yes, yeah, so we are the same age, because this was in 91. The definition of prepubescent. So cut number four, and I do believe this track is simply called Uh, Ah. Just don't write them like that anymore, kids. This is Uh, Ah. By uh, by boys to men. So uh, the first thing you'll notice, by the way, is how this is really a production of its time. I'm not saying that the guys in boys to men are uh, don't have nice voices because they do. It's just that you can tell that these are fake ass studio harmonies. These are not organic. Oh yeah, harmonies. they're dun, 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 well, like, they're totally they're it's electronically they have Motown processed. Philly on here too, Rick. Motown Philly back again. Boys to men. ABC PBD. Uh, it's not. I mean, I'm not saying that like I'm some great singer. I can just spot when harmonies have been faked electronically in the studio to sound closer than they are. So listen to how sleazy this song is when you consider that it's targeted at 11-year-old girls. And I do believe they start off with some weird, like, let's... Spoken word thing? It's like some let's inject it. Some, like, go ahead and play it. Okay. A... I remember this song. Yeah. Wait, wait for the creepy guy line. Four, three, two, one. Injection, fellas. How creepy is that? Oh my God, I love yeah. this song. I love this when I was when I ten. Was 11. <laughs> I love this when I was ten and sexless. This is kind of wrong. Yeah. I mean, the idea that children are somehow being um, sexed up at a, you know, sort of being, having this weird societal sexuality ladled onto them as a recent phenomenon is not really true. Because this is almost 20 years ago. That'll make you feel old, by the way. And the best part is, I don't know if you can hear this on yeah. AM radio, uh, hear the woman in the background getting her moan on. It's all sexy moans. Yeah. That's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what, I mean, if you're 10 or 11, do you even process that kind of sound? No, we just processed that it was on the radio. Like when you hear the woman, she's doing the, getting all grunty and whatnot. Like as an 11-year-old, do you even notice? Or when did you hear it and just not know what it is? Is that like, you know, that, are you and Daddy okay in there? Is that one of those where you just don't even know what, what, it, what it is? Uh-oh. Oh, Somebody loved their voice to men CD a little too much there. I think she told me, she's like, yeah, she's like, you don't even have to get that back. She's like, you can just, uh, you just keep that. Ooh. This is a great song. Are we going to listen to the, do we get to listen to the entire boys to men CD now? Oh, this has got that, this has also got oh, that, damn it, it's, it's like that fake skipping. snapping. I've got it on, I've actually got this on my MP3 player upstairs. That's on a, uh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, that's a great single, by the way, that and the original version of that, which mm-hmm. is from the movie Cooley High. That's a great song. That is a that is a great single. Can we introduce Tim Riley with a Boys to Men song? Tim, would you like to be? Do you have a favorite Boys to Men song? 
Do you want to pick one? Um, how about the one? I want to make love to you, baby. Do you have that, that one? That is not on so here. Creepy. That was from Boys to Men 2. Yeah, in your face. What are they doing now? Are they even around? They're men to men. <laughs> men, to, men to geezers. Uh, all right. Let's uh, just find a random Boys to Men. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Does he curse in this song? Oh, is this Motown Philly? Yes. Because he cursed in this Well, because he said at the beginning, he's like, just don't curse. This is the first words on the track. And I'm like, oh, no. I was more of a Belle Biv DeVoe fan myself. I can't even. Is this skipping or is it a remix? It's skipping. All right. Oh, Here's Tim God. Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. That man caught peeping at women in a public latrine at an estimated campground has been doing so for 15 years. He admits yeah. to doing practice. Uh, he's been seen at that area year after year. Uh, the incident was reported to police. However, no criminal charges were filed against Henry uh, Richard Henry Berkey, who's 51 from Beaverton. He was taken to the Clackamas County Jail, charged with public indecency. But that's not enough to go to jail in Clackamas County. He didn't kill anyone. Uh, he's going to uh, Clackamas County Superior Court September 18th. And uh, they also found maps to other campgrounds in his car. Uh, how's Binky the Two-Headed Calf doing today, you ask? I'm sorry? A Binky the Two-Headed Calf. Okay. This is a two-headed calf born yesterday in Tulare, California. They're uh, doing everything they can to keep Binky alive, but it may be a losing battle. Well, Binky seems normal, except for having two mouths, two noses, four eyes, which blink simultaneously. Uh, Binky is unable to stand. They say it indicates that he has a deformity in his brain. Oh, it's Binky's lady uh, in her brain. This is the weirdest story. <laughs> okay. And possibly fluid buildup in her lungs. Uh, okay. Uh, meanwhile, camera flashers have uh, Blinky's eyes blinking a lot <laughs> as residents pop pictures of themselves standing next to the four-eyed animal. This is the strangest conglomeration of words we ever had. I am a sucker for stories about animals born with extra appendages. Mm -hmm. Or babies, for that matter. Yeah. You know? Some sort of, like, when they, like a two-headed baby is born somewhere. Those are good times. All right. So hopefully uh, Binky will come out of this five. Yes. The new Fox reality program, Anchor Woman, is stirring a controversy. It premieres tonight. It follows a former beauty queen, swimsuit model, and world wrestling diva, a term used loosely to anyone these days, Lauren Jones, as she sets out to transform herself into a hard-hitting news lady at uh, the Tyler, Texas affiliate, KYTX. Apparently, uh, it premieres tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox. Then the producers of a CBS reality series uh, featuring 40 children living on their own in the New Mexico desert may get themselves in trouble. How could that go wrong? Apparently, there are no parents around. So Seamus sent me a story about this. Mm -hmm. So is the, is the series, because the series has already been wrapped up, right? Yeah. Because now the lawsuits have begun. Mm -hmm. So, excellent. So this is where they took 40 kids, children of the corn style, yeah. and they just gave them a whole town without adults, and they were like, eh, make the best of it. This took place at the Bonanza Creek Movie Ranch, eight yeah. miles east of Santa Fe. And so I guess except for the film crew, there were no parents, no adults, no authority figures of any kind. There's some girl who ended up drinking bleach. Mm -hmm. There's some other girl that fell into a deep fryer. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm just saying it. Just, just It's like that... When you say, who could have seen that coming, the answer is everyone except for CBS, apparently. Well, who knows? The same thing isn't, isn't happening with Katie Couric that we don't know about. Well, maybe one of these maybe one of these children wants to uh, grow up. To, maybe they can play it. It'll be part of the class action suit. She'll just get the news, the news hosting job. Well, here's somebody nobody would ever want or really need. After nearly three decades, the Eagles will release their first studio album in October. I was just hoping that the Eagles would put out more music. 
Uh, this is The Long Road Out of, of uh, Eden. The first single from the album is titled How Long. It's received uh, some radio airplay. And wait a minute, what are they labeling that as? The first new music in how long? It's, uh... Three decades. Well, that's that's a lie. That's an absolute. They broke up in nineteen. That is a flat out lie. And it have reunited since. That is a, that and is done a, on several tours. Yeah, that is a, that is a flat out absolute. What? Who is that from? Is that from the Associated Press? Who's blindly passing along that crap as news? Uh, Metro source. Metro blindly passing along this crap as it news. It was written by someone named Pandora Reynolds. Really? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, Pandora. Uh, it, I, I realize that it's... We're pandoring to the Eagles fans. <laughs> That's much better than my Pandora's box joke. I knew you were going to do something like that. <laughs> I left that one for you. Uh-huh. I'll leave you with the good stuff, <laughs> as I should. Well, that, but that's so much of crap. Even if, I mean, even if you ignore the fact that they've already done like five reunion and then farewell tours since they broke up, the fact is they put out a, a new song on that last collection of theirs. It was called Get Over It because I was working at a rock radio station when it happened, and that would have been like 1995. And it was all like, the Eagles, their first new song in 20 years. I mean, and that was like only less than a decade ago. So that's just flat-out fabricated. Tim, I will not have fabricated news on this radio station. I won't allow it. I apologize. I demand that we destroy that story immediately. Thank you. All right. That you has, may hear it again during Lycus. That has tamped <laughs> down the fires of discontent raging in my heart. Will you piece it back together for Lycus? I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, more bad news for John McCain. The new poll shows his support has evaporated in Iowa. Uh, he has only... Uh, <laughs> Six percent support among Iowans. <laughs> Evaporated. That's a great word. Not diminished. Not cooled slightly. His his appeal is just gone. Uh, Mitt Romney is in the lead, mm-hmm. and uh, Mayor Giuliani right after him. All right. So that's that. Uh, let's do this one call, and then we'll do the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Hello. Oh, hi. You were talking about Lindsay Lohan. Yes. And um, I was trying to think of who she reminds me of. Um, she's like a very young Anne Margaret. Oh yeah, no, I think somebody else made that observation a few months ago. It very, it is very true. Uh, the department. I yeah. mean, if if she were to pull her plane out of this nosedive, you know no. what I mean? She'd yeah. be a very beautiful. Physically, she does look like Anne Margaret. You're very right about that. Uh, yeah. Really, I can't oversell going on. Apparently, the Maxim site is is uh, very operating slowly now. Maybe there's uh, many uh, guys abusing their company's internet connections at this moment. I really would suggest that you take a good long look at the cover of this Maxim magazine, though. Oh, Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, i got to go get a map. I'll see you. All right. Bye now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, I got a hunch. <laughs> Thanks. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh-huh. Uh, the cat was biting me on the leg. Uh, that really hurt. Anyway. The, the, the eagle walks at midnight. <laughs> that, too. The reason uh, old Lindsay got off on that Coke thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like. Is this leading up to a joke, sir? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, other people have gotten off on it when they gotten off on the on the drug. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> is this open mic night? Seriously, are we at the chuckle hutch? I'm sorry, but I'm I'm bleeding here. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I feel like a jerk. Um, well, call back when you. Yeah, I call back. You call hat? back when I starts the bleeding. All right. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Finally gives you a big break in the cat like you. Every time. I'll call back when I've stanched the bleeding. The best thing I've ever heard. Here's the top five. Five, four, three, two. And then we were one, just mocking, five, mocking his blood. 
I know he'd been working on that all day, too. Polishing that punchline for weeks in his garage. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for the top five. Oh, you know, cats love their owners, don't they? It's true. And to be fair, we should have Scotty J join us in the studio now. Uh, as Scotty J also polishes his broadcasting skills for his uh, soon-to-be retooled uh, Scotty J's music note of the day bit, here's another chance for Scotty J to weigh in on things of a musical nature. Hello, Scotty. How's it going, Rick? Hey. At least we're not being bit by cats. Yeah, seriously. At least you're not <laughs> bleeding openly. Oh, Here's... yes, I am. After that last critiquing, but yeah. No, no, don't you need to a... man up, Scotty. No, yeah, don't be an ass. You asked you ask for a critique. I'm not trying to be... It's not going to do me any good or you any good if I uh, soft soap it. <laughs> oh, Scotty, you haven't had some of the consultants soap. I've had. Sir, I was going to say, scrub. dude, you have never... You know, you are not allowed to complain because you know what seriously, you don't... Seriously, you've never I've had never to have to... a sit-down with your uh, program director and listen to yourself tape. I, I was in the school of hard knocks. I was no, none of, now look, you dick. I was just. You know what thing. I'm saying? I haven't been there. I'm just saying, see? Sarah speaks the truth here. You know, you don't have to have an air check session. You don't have to have air checking sessions. You don't know what pain is. Actually, maybe Scotty should. Yeah, maybe I can that just would imagine be... that you calling me into your office for an air check. Well, maybe you don't have to imagine. Wait, he has the authority to do so. I, I know he did. He'd like we could actually be do that if you'd, if you'd, if you'd enjoy no, that. No, I don't he think I would. He could actually be the program director. <laughs> if you can bring Mark in to have a sit-down as that well. That would not yeah. be so funny. That, that's a now, great now, idea. Now, now no. the joke's not and so Mark's funny. Mark's boss anymore. is in town today as well. Maybe we'll have her come sit with us. The gang will all be there, Scotty. I heard she's a nice lady. She is. She, no, she's fantastic. All right, let's uh, roll the top five. Here's the top five cool songs. Tim Riley. All right, with honorable mention, we have the audition with Cool It Now. Scotty, why did you put this on? I hate this song, this too, by snappy. the way. This is new edition, is it not? It is. How hot is it out there today, Tim? It's in the 80s. Well, okay. So I guess it makes sense that we, we cool, cool it, it down now. here at AM 970. Yes. So the new edition were sort of either a Latter-day Jackson 5 or an early version of the New Kids on the Block, depending on how you'd like to look at them. Yeah, they came after them, right? Who? What? New Edition came after the New Kids on no, the Block. No, oh, uh, no. No, in fact, the New Edition was created by a guy named Maury Starr. Um, new Edition then fired him, and out of retribution, he said, I'm going to create another version of New Edition, but this time with white kids. Um, and he then created New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block were created to be a white version of New Edition, both by this uh, guy, this big black guy named Maurice Starr. You'll recognize him in all the photos of, with New Kids on the Block. He's a huge black man who dressed in a uh, general's outfit. Yeah. Okay. So you see a big guy who looks like Idi Amin? That's him. All right, so they were the Pat Boone of the new edition. They really were. Yeah, although they had Candy Girl. You can't front on Candy Girl. That's a great song. Number five is Devo. Through Being Cool. I don't know. This is the top five cool songs, so. I know that I'm. So these are like the top five songs that. <laughs> that you don't ever want to hear ever again. Inexplicably on the countdown. I know that I'm supposed to like Devo. I just don't. I like a couple of their songs. What about Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress? Sorry. Is that not on this list? It was just too obvious. Yes. We played the Whatever you do, obvious. Don't, don't go pick on those songs <laughs> that really belong on the list. If you are a Devo fan, you should go to Rock, uh, Rockfest uh, the 12th or something and see the punk group. 
Our uh, friends and local keyboardists, the punk group, will be playing on the second stage at Rockfest the 12th this coming Sunday. That sounds splendid. At number four, it's General Public and Hot So Cool. Do like you even know who these guys are? New Wave-tastic. Where yeah, did these songs come from? I just did a search for the word cool and out out, out this top You didn't even know these songs? Oh, you computer just song. vomited these songs up. They're in his box of 45. I don't remember the name of this singer now all of a sudden, but they he was the lead singer of English Beat. And then they formed this band, and then he, then he went back Boy, this to is the most Beat. This is the most 80s English thing I've ever heard. You've heard of English Beat, right? Uh, no. Okay, I can't stand it. It is fitting anymore. for the 80 degree weather, though. Yeah. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Number three, the Little River songs. Band and a Cool Change. The Little River Band. <laughs> Why did you just throw this top five in the garbage? I'm not, dude, I'm not the one who created it. <laughs> I have two more songs to go before you. Yeah, actually, that, that time isn't in hand, Scotty. I love the Little River Band. So. Everybody likes them. Yeah, sure. Who doesn't? I've seen them at the Washington County Fair. Of course you have. All right. Me and my friend had a bet that it's not the real singer. Moving on, we're counting down the top five cool songs. Tim? Number two, Boston, Cool the Engines. Ooh, corporate rock. I haven't heard this forever, seriously. I can smell the A&R rep from here. Listen, it's every Boston song ever recorded. Yeah, a lot of their songs sound the same. Really? I hadn't noticed that. Is this Brad Delp? I can't even tell. Yeah, absolutely. You sound less than convinced. <laughs> the thing is, I, what I, is this new I like you have developed a laugh. Of I, I don't know. I'm just no. Yeah, your just, new laugh is that good. of Ernie from Sesame Street. Well, Why? I am kind of a muffet. Or Flavor Flav. Take your choice. Flavor uh, Flav. I'll take Ernie. Okay. All right. Counting down the top five cool songs. Tim. At long last, we're at number one with Robert Plant and a tall cool woman. Boy, this is a terrible song. There you go. That's the fastest top five we've ever done here at AM 970. It's over. It's done. It can now go in the garbage. You're full of self-esteem today, Scotty. <laughs> you, literally, you went through that top five in, in three minutes. Yeah, these songs are all terrible. Okay. I mean, the closest thing to a good song here is Robert Plant, and that's only because he used to sing in a band that was good. No, I'm telling you this. I watched him perform this song at, in Salem at the State Fair or whatever. You see a lot of bands great. at the State Fair. The only reason the song is good is because it samples a bunch of Led Zeppelin songs. Well, the, the you, like that right there. I don't for example. remember what the name of this album is, but um, it had like four, three, three or four good now songs. Now in Zan, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was actually a pretty good one. I'm just saying. Look, I love Robert Plant. You know, I do. But the only good Robert Plant solo songs are the ones that rip off Zeppelin songs. And this is the most notorious example because it doesn't just rewrite them; it actually samples like 15 different Led Zeppelin songs. Well, it's kind of smart on his part then sell a couple albums that, that way. That's true. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Show on AM 970 Solid State Radio.